But okay, I think we've got some, some nice way there. I need to relax a little bit. You've got Carl's chair there. What was that? What were you saying yesterday? You were like, you don't do uh, stand-up as well on work days. Yeah, I just feel like uh, it's really hard to switch off. Like At times, like when you come straight from the office, you're still in that mindset mm. and going on a stage that's a different character and switching between them takes a couple of hours at least yeah that's true a couple of hours i had the opposite today that i was all in i listened to some podcasts last night i was thinking all about what we're going to talk about i went to the gym gym fucking confused me because i started i was getting into it listen to diaz and rogan and i'm full on into it and then i look up and it's like oh hey it's like fucking quite late you better get back to the office so i get on my shit get back to the office realize daylight savings time on the gym clock Oh, so it was just an hour. I was like, "Oh my god, I must be such a fucking beefcake!" Look at me. I'm in the zone. I'm kicking goals. Who's better than me? And like, no, that's terrible. Um, yes, yeah, so I was full on in that zone. And this afternoon, I was a wreck. I couldn't do anything at work. I'm trying to. My phone's dying. Shit's going left, right, and center. I don't know what's up. I'm confused by two emails. Oh my god, it's too much. Oh, I can't cope with the deluge this afternoon. Please leave me alone. Oh wow. And. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping this turns into a better part. I haven't had much time because that's why... Uh, hi, everyone. Yeah, we are in the next episode of Comedy Guy. Oh, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Uh, yeah. Comedy Guy with <laughs> Lewis. And uh, I've got Casper over here and uh, it's been such a freaking busy two weeks uh, that we have had... I'm trying to think. Because we've had like all these international artists. Uh, Jimmy Carr. We've had Jimmy Carr in Tallinn and Tartu. And also, I was with him in Turku. We had that show too. All right. We had Daniel Sloss. We had him in Riga, uh, in Tallinn and Tartu also. Uh, and then, what else? We and the crew, we and the crew, myself and the crew went to Vilnius. And yeah, a bunch of stuff. So, I thought we'd just talk about that. Fuck yeah. For a while. I don't know if that's... But let's start off with... Um, yeah, we're... And, Sorry, I didn't introduce you again. I'm doing like such a prick every time. I feel so bad. <laughs> I'm here joined again by Kasper Kikapil. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Just, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I like that your podcast is picking up now as well. Like I, I've seen people listening to it. Oh, uh, shit. And, uh, I mean, how are you stalking people? What do you mean? Looking at like you're looking at people's phones? <laughs> no, I mean, I can see when people are listening to podcasts on their phones and, uh, and it's just, uh, it's cool to see. That's I mean, nice. Okay. Like even in my office, like that's that's like going on, and uh, I like people like to consume that kind of product, and uh, and it's working out. And they, I mean, people in Estonia like to listen to stuff that's going on in Estonia as well. So mm. I, I guess think. you can't hear much in English about Estonia either, yeah. like yeah. that. So it's always like like the to you know, yesterday. Yesterday I was hosting another event, which was Green Est Conference by Technopol. It's like one of their uh this the the conference about sustainability that's right and uh yeah they said oh you you know thank you very much we think you did a good job as the moderator and the host and uh you know we think you're the best and i'm like who else (laughs) (laughs) i'm also the only one thank you (laughs) which is such a dumbass comedian way to think about it like just take the fucking compliment thank you very much maybe someone thinks i'm great don't worry about it i'm like no there's not enough competition (laughs) for me you can't give me a compliment fuck you uh, <laughs> you guys are dumb you don't know anything <laughs> yeah, you hire me every time fuck you and the support that you deliver through the oh god so uh yeah taking compliments is hard so 
Yeah, I haven't. And I've been super, super anxious over the last two weeks because I'm not recording. Yeah. Both because I feel the pressure to record and that I really want to record. And it's just been too much. Like, it's looking after all those shows and everything is happening. At the same time, the sky is falling in and it's becoming winter and we're all getting depressed and everyone's everyone's looking at the fucking rope noose on the table going, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, we don't know. Yeah, it's that time of the year. Uh, but, I mean, today was a nice day though. Like, uh, there, are, uh, there are these moments during the autumn time when you look outside of the window, you're inside, it's nice and warm, preferably drinking some tea or something warm, <laughs> sure. you know. You're looking outside, it's just like, oh, it's sunny, but it's cold, it's windy, but it's nice inside. <laughs> it's just, it's really warm. Now. That describes Estonia. It's like, there are moments. You just start a sentence. You live for the moment. Everything is always a moment. It's a great, no, but there are moments. Everything yeah. is. <laughs> that moment when you step on the plane and get out, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the moment. I thought, uh, what I first thing I wanted to do while everyone is still listening in the first part, because I understand that we must drop out over the course of the next 17 hours <laughs> as podcast goes on. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Comedy Estonia job, that we have a job open. Yeah. And uh, with this idea that I had, yes, I will make a podcast and it will be the place <laughs> where I discuss all of my big ideas and let everybody know. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably... Fun can do exactly that thing I've been thinking of. Uh, yeah, so um, we're hiring for a job. It's a full-time position and it's operations manager. And Lewis, what is an operations manager? I hear you ask. <laughs> uh, Lewis isn't sure, but the, what, the, the concept that we're going for is that I've got myself, I'm doing projects, uh, running shows, doing projects. We've got Merrily. She's a project manager looking after a lot of our shows. She's that responsible for those. We've got Maria, who handles our private shows. If someone wants us to come to a party, she books them. Uh, you know, then we've got Kaiser, who does our design. We've, we've, we've got all kinds of people working with us. Mariana, who's doing our media. Um, but what is the problem is that where's the catch-all? Where's the, the person who's doing a lot of little things yeah. uh, that need to make stuff happen? So, uh, to my mind, this operations officer is someone who, like, has a broad look over everything that we do. And they're like... Uh, you know, maybe, and it's just doing a lot of little things every day to keep the things moving along and having a generally broad view to go like, hey, how's that project going? Here's the next thing we need to do. Uh, Lewis, do this now. Because the problem is only person who tells Lewis how to do things is Lewis. <laughs> and Lewis doesn't want that anymore. Yeah. So, I would like someone to, to catch me a little bit and to be like, you know, Lewis, you forgot that. Once again, you forgot the open yeah. mic sign up. Once again, you forgot to put the open mic events up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah, somebody delegate as well because like there's so mm. much going on, and like you said, you already have people like working for Comedy Estonia, but you know they're all doing their individual part, but just taking a step back, looking that everything is working, and making sure if something needs lubricant, then that person is going to be there. There is. It's like that running a company, like little things. Like on our website, we have the shows page, yeah. and uh, the shows page has some fancy plugin that we bought for like fifty bucks, and it pulls all of our events from Facebook. So, we only have one source of events, Facebook, yeah. right? That's, I only have to update one place. Um, that plugin breaks all the time. Not, and I don't think the plugin's that bad. I think it's Facebook. Yeah, bro. Facebook. Remember when we got the hack recently and fucking Zuckerberg locked everything down and fucking the security went high? So, stuff goes. And yeah, that was, anyway, I logged in. That wasn't working. Yeah. And it, that was one of those moments as, a, as a, like a business owner, you go like, oh, fuck, is this going to what the fuck, something else is a problem. And it's, I managed to solve it within 10 minutes. And it's like, 
I'd been putting it off for like three days because yeah. you're like, I bet this is going to take four hours. Yep. I'm going to have to think hard. I'm going to have to write support emails. I'm going to do that. Once I got into it, 10 minutes later, it was fixed and I saw the, saw the issue. Uh, so, I'm glad that's done. So, the fucking, yeah, all that little bullshit is what I need someone to help me with. So, yeah, we're trying to hire someone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with these things, like people have given me advice as well how to tackle these things because I have the same thing. Like, Sometimes I just don't want to do something, even though mm. it's. I have one email that my coworker keeps telling me about. You have to reply to this email. I don't. I. I, do, I just don't want to. I just don't <laughs> want to reply because it, it's a stupid case. And um, and there's this thing that I don't remember. It's like some sort of uh, army guy, and his speech is that you should start every day mm-hmm. by making your bed. Sure. Nobody likes to make their bed, but then you already start your day with doing something that you don't like. But at the end of the day, when you come home, you're going to still like it because your bed has already been made. But that's going to kick off a chain of reactions as well because you've already done something that you don't like. Then then you should be more inclined to do something else as well that you would otherwise put off. I think you're talking about Jocko, my personal hero. And I think you're talking about, right, the discipline of that. Yeah. That if you do one bit, one bit of, bit of discipline leads to the next bit of yeah. discipline. I'm going to make the bed. Then I'm going to unpack <laughs> the dishwasher. Yeah. Then I'm going to do that. Then one thing leads to the next thing leads to the next. Also, Jordan Peterson does that. That's like one of his rules. He's yeah. tw- in his book, yeah. 12 Rules, whatever his million rules for life. I think that's one of the rules is make your bed every morning. Yeah. it's it's I mean, it's in a lot of books as well, like a mm. lot of startup mindset books as well so it's sort of a concept that goes around like some of the say like it's the frog of the tail or whatever the concept is as well i have different different ways of explaining it but in my head it sort of works when i when i start doing something like that like i if i get the first thing done then i'm pretty sure i'm gonna do a couple other things as well that i otherwise wouldn't have done that day except if you listen to podcasts all morning and then go to the gym and then you're fucked see exactly (laughs) exactly what we were talking about before it doesn't work so yeah, with this operations manager job, um, it's like it's a full time job. Like someone's gonna like you, you know. I, uh, you know, one of these people like, yeah, I do all these other seventeen different things as well. I'll find time for this. Like, no, this no. is a job. So it's a full time job, but it's not an office job. If you do not want an office job, if you hate the idea of going nine to five, if you hate that corporate kind of thing, this is your job. You, this is not a regular job. Uh, you're gonna have to work nights by definition. We yeah. have shows. You need to be there. And I want someone who's like enthusiastic about that. Not someone who's like, oh, fuck, I gotta work nights. Yeah. I don't work two nights. Like, no, in that case, you want an office job. This is for the someone who's like, yes, yeah. I don't have to be in an office at eight in the morning. You know, you can start whatever time you like. I don't mind. I get up early. Everyone else gets up late. Like, you'll get 17 emails before you wake up from me, but that's fine. You can sleep in. Yeah. So if that's what someone's into, the pay is like the average. It's been on the average, something like that. It's like a thousand a month. Look, but we're just trying to throw it out as like look this is where we're at yeah um something like that if you're a graduate if you're in the last year of studies if you're like a project manager uh i think a project manager would do because you sort of just like the the those basic skills which is overseeing a lot of stuff keeping track of a lot of stuff and just making sure a lot of stuff is moving along step by step uh i really i think the core is project manager i think so and like if you if somebody's listening to that and if you've been doing like at university, you've been organizing events, you've been mm-hmm. organizing like shows for the university. Like all of the universities have those groups of people that do that. Mm. Then that's a pretty logical next step because like that's... There is, but I will, I will say though that the person doesn't need events nor 
uh, entertainment experience because that's what I learned hiring Merrily is that Merrily is great. Like there's a longer story to it, but basically I had someone in mind that was super into the entertainment industry, super qualified when you looked at their entertainment CV, mm. but just as a thing didn't work when the practicalities came down to it, unfortunately. And then I went back to my next idea, which is like, fuck entertainment. We've got enough knowledge about that. I need a business person. Yeah. I need a project manager. And so Merrilee's, yeah, she's out of EBS. She's trained in that stuff. She's fucking the, the terminator of project managers. Um, and I, I think that's where we're going. If you're a business person, if you are coming from that world, that's that's kind of, yeah, don't think like you need entertainment industry experience, I think is the thing. In fact, it's I don't, I, I'm really fine without it. We can teach you everything you need to know about events. I just need you to be switched on and I need to have the, the right personality that you can fit into this rather unique kind of crew. No, what I meant the university stuff was like, usually when people work besides their university, mm. it's usually just working at a bar or something like that. But this is actually something where you run something, you know, you're running an event, you're running something. It's not maybe True. even the entertainment part that's so attractive for some of these people. It's just that you can organize something, you're overseeing something, you're making something happen. And that's one of the rare places where you can actually get some tangible knowledge whilst in the university. Because not mm -hmm. a lot of universities have good like uh, work sessions or where that's you true. actually go do some internships and it really depends on an internship. So this is something that is tangible. You've actually learned something. You've actually done something and you can bring that over and you already know what to expect. Mm. I shouldn't be so quick to shit on shit that you do in university because literally where I started was <laughs> university theater. That's where I learned to be a producer. I was doing some... I was like, oh, you guys are crazy. What's this theater thing? Okay. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm the project manager. I think I can run your theater show. Okay. Tell me how does a theater show work again? <laughs> but there was the thing. So, yeah, I shouldn't be so quick to dismiss that. So, yeah, if you're into that, uh, just, uh, where's, oh, God, where, where do we put the job at? The job at, look, look on Comedy Estonia Facebook page. You know, right, actually. Oh, no, comedyestonia.com slash jobs. J-O-B-S. That's it. Right. I had sent that up. Um, and that has all the info. So, yeah. Or if you know someone who wants a job, come along. Um, yeah. I, I know the right person when I see him. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the opportunity is awesome. Like, you get to work with so many cool projects. You just Like named. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get to work with me. Amazing. No, but like, you just mentioned like uh, Jimmy Carr. Like, mm. Dave uh, Sloss. You know, you, you have so many comedians coming in the coming year as well. I mean, you get to be part of that, and I think that's something that really few companies can actually offer in Estonia. Okay, that okay, that really relevant. If you're really into that, if you think that's a interesting, yeah, yeah, thing, but like yeah. just the grand scheme of things as well, it's not like small like open mics that you are overseeing. It's like big events at big lo like locations, and that mm. requires so much work. I mean, there's like the whole marketing side, like like you said, you have people running the private shows, then you have the big shows, and then. You have the media relations, like, but somebody needs to oversee all of these things going mm. down. So, like, and with big events, there's a lot of responsibility. So, it's an awesome place to start. And speaking of big events, we can segue into. So, the one of the things they will, that person will be helping with is we're going to have Eddie Izzard on April nine. 
There and we, ha- we haven't announced it yet. We're just going through the final motions and getting it going because Eddie's doing like the world tour. Eddie does <laughs> everywhere with electricity, you know, everywhere <laughs> that has a spoken language, you know, and then he's still working on some sort of telepathy version <laughs> to get through to the other people. So they're coordinating like uh, fucking shitloads of stuff around the world. But uh, yeah, we're going to be presenting Eddie in Helsinki, in Tallinn, and in Vilnius. All right. And uh, yeah, like April 9, they're going to be on sale like a week, maybe, maybe a week and a half. And uh, yeah, that person's going to have a very strong involvement in that show because uh, that's going to be a big production. Because it's not just like a lot of these shows are just like a dude, you know, there's Dylan, he's got his microphone, he, he stumbles around the stage for two hours, it's hilarious. <laughs> and that's it, right? That's, yeah. you know, the thing. Eddie, he's, he's a bit grander. He's got a backdrop and lights and music and sound and fuck knows what else and all yeah. kinds of things and screens. And yeah, it, it's, yeah, you get more of a show kind of that's Eddie's style. So, yeah, I'm doing all that. So, yeah, Eddie Izzard's coming. That's the next thing. I got more things cooking. Don't worry about nothing. But with all the things that are cooking, you can't say anything. Because uh, I will say one thing that I have learned doing this is you cannot like, like there's a deal, there's a deal. This guy's coming. No, he's not coming. He's yeah. deal, deal. No, he got a brief appearance on the TV shopping channel and therefore won't be able to make the appearance in Europe right now. So, like shit changes at last minute. It's fucking a tough business. Like, I would say working with the Americans, it's like significantly more difficult. Mm. They're like, everything you've heard from Entourage, everything you've heard from Hollywood, fucking, you got the manager, you got the lawyer, you got this guy, they're all fucking, everyone's trying to shaft someone else. It's very much like that. And that's part of the fun too, (laughs) which I like. Uh, But yeah, it's super interesting. But I would, yeah, hopefully I'm going to have some more announcements real soon. So, yeah, Comedy uh, Estonia slash jobs. That's it, yes. It's your first paid plug, essentially. You're paying for it yourself. Yeah, I know. It's a sponsorship deal yeah. or something. I don't know what. I was thinking today what... I see... I don't know. I just see different artists around Estonia and all of a sudden they're holding up this drink and... No, wait, that was a really bad example. I didn't mean to be offensive. Um, that was too specific. Um, no, they're holding up you know that item or this thing or that. And I'm just... Every time I see it, I'm just like... Mm, did you need the money that bad, bro? It's like, not even that they get all of them get money for it. Some of them just mm. want to do it just mm. because like they can show that, hey, I'm promo like I'm doing promotions for something. Right. Uh, and like I knew I know a few of these people who are so to say influencers or whatever you want to call them. Mm. And I know that like if they're doing some ice cream or something like that, they don't even get paid. They just get some ice cream out That's of it. Ice cream, Jesus. But they want to do it because, hey, I'm so famous that I've been uh, somebody wants to use me to market something and it's just like a they feel like it's an opportunity or it just so shows their power or something like that I can feel like it's not even about the money always it's just that having that opportunity wow if it's exactly like you said that's the most fucking retarded thing I've ever heard of (laughs) that's so fucking retarded like oh like taking advantage of me please yeah right (laughs) and that I have enough status that this advertiser or sponsor would be interested in me, yet I don't value or I don't put enough value on myself that I'm actually going to charge them something. Yeah, I mean, it's all, of course, I mean here like lower end influencers. Like you have Mm, somebody who has like 80,000 followers on Instagram probably is not doing it for free, but somebody who has 6,000 can easily do it for free. And my experience shows that they do that. (laughs) Right, so they're in that in-between zone where they're using, part of that is using the sponsorship to pull themselves ahead as well. So if I'm in that ice cream commercial, then more people see me, then the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think that's all right. Look, if that, 
look, if you are attempting to be a social media influencer, then that's probably a fucking good path for you, right? Yeah, I mean, because they are influenced by bigger influencers as well. And they mm. see like the people that they look up to mm-hmm. and they feel like they're on the same career path that they do it. So they just want to do it because of that. Because it of that. feels like a natural step forward when it, in reality it really isn't. Because like you can do anything for free. Like, I mean, mm. you can say that I have a, like... I'm shoveling snow in a big business, but if I don't charge money for it, then it's not really a business, right? Yeah, but then shoveling snow is a lot of effort. The effort, it's not, it's no longer an effort to put something to my Instagram, but it's a playing with my reputation thing. Yeah. If I put this up, do how am I perceived? Like, if I if I do, if Lewis does the ice cream ad, you know, how is how is everyone going to see it? Or I've got a few thousand fans. yeah, is that part of my... Like, if you're a social media influencer, like, you got 6,000 fans, you're like, yeah, I'm going to grow this Instagram. I'm going to do more booty shots at the gym. I got me and my buddies drinking. We got silly videos. We're going to grow that. Like, you're already in a zone that I would say is not extremely artistic. So, yeah. I would already be like, maybe fuck it. Take the fucking ice cream. Who cares? Like, because that fits your character. That fits who you're trying to be. It's not like you're all of a sudden trying to be this Instagram person and like, oh, I'm super credible now. I'll only do the highest of art. (laughs) So, maybe, like maybe for those people, but it's the ones that I kind of, when I look at people and I go like, you have some artistic talent. Do you have to sell that product as well? Like, Because that's the region where they probably are getting money. Your lower end social influencer, yeah, they'll take the drinks. Yeah, they'll take the ice creams. But someone who's like legitimately doing something, but I think is like in too many places. Like if you start seeing that person in this video or that that picture and that ad and this place, you start going like, you burn out. I mean, like yes, not even you might not burn out yourself, but like in the eyes of the public, like you're I mean, like you're everywhere. I don't want to see you everywhere anymore, right? Mm. So you need to take a step back every once in a while. And in Estonia. I would say it's relatively easy to become famous if you really, really want to. Mm. But it's just like maintaining that and making that a career that can be pretty tricky, I think. Mm. What to keep doing? And it's a fair call. Like what to keep doing to keep amusing people, whether that's your show or your song or your radio or your writing or what do you keep doing to amuse people? Because in bigger countries, you can just go around and amuse someone else with the same song. But here, once you've amused everybody, you have to keep coming up with a thing yeah. uh, to kind of keep it going or something to be fresh. I think that's the hardest part of stand-up is it's just like it's just doing it with songs. Like if, you, if you're doing a concert, people come there to see that song. They want to listen to that song live. They want to they wanna la- like sing with you when you're on stage. They want to like experience this song together with the artist. Whereas with like stand-up comedians... You come to a show, you don't want to know any of the jokes. Yeah. You you want that moment. You want to be like in that moment, oh my God, it happened on the spot. You know, it was priceless. I've never heard something like that before. And that is really hard to like maintain or like keep go- like keep it up. Mm. And uh, Because the, the stand-up is, because what, what the bummer of our art form <laughs> is our art form is based on surprise. Yes. That's all we're trying to do. Every time we write a joke is surprise you. And if if a stand-up comedian is no longer surprising, well, you better fucking hope it's Bill Cosby before he started touching girls, right? Like, <laughs> you want that level of niceness. Like, oh, we love yeah. that guy. You got to get somewhere. And then, ironically, it could be a little bit tricky to... Because then you got the people who want to see something more like that. Some people are like... 
or surprise us like you used to surprise us with your different and crazy things. So yeah, a musician, they just sing the songs and everyone's fucking into it, but we've got to keep going and keep surprising and keep changing. Yeah. And that's fucking hard, isn't it? I asked them, I didn't quite know. I always don't know how to ask these questions, but I thought I'd fucking just fire away with Jimmy Carr and he was in the back seat. We were driving up to Totico and he was right. We we're talking about writing and he was talking mm-hmm. about TV shows and he said he's new. He's got his new show coming out, which is something. Oh, it's funny. Anyway, something terribly funny. Okay. Is the name a typical Jimmy Carr show pun. Mm-hmm. And it's his public. You can go check it out. There's a nice new photo of him. He looks good. And it's his first show in three or four years because where this show that we have now the best of, he has been doing that for three mm-hmm. years already. We're like on the arse end. We always like we're on the arse end of Bill Bailey's tour schedule. We're on the arse yeah. end of Jimmy Carr's tour schedule. So whatever we're, whatever he's doing now, and he said he did it. He'd done it about seven or eight times, run the show seven or eight times already, mm, this, okay. the new show. And he said, yeah, it was working pretty well. And he was kind of happy with where it was going. And I thought that was, I was like, cool. And, and uh, I mean, the first thing was, I guess the first thing that surprised me, he says he's run it seven or eight times and he's about to release the thing. So, he's run, he's done seven or eight previews and then it's time to do 300 dates over the next two and a half years for Jimmy. Wow. <laughs> but maybe that's part of it. I mean, we go like, shit, dudes, only seven previews to do that. But yeah. he's literally going to do that five nights a week now for the next two and a half years. So maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, he doesn't need to practice, practice. Well, I mean, mm. he's a seasoned comedian as well. I mean, guess true. I guess he kind of feels it like mm. when he's ready. But yeah, just like the commitment side there, like because you're committing yourself to like let's say 300 shows. I mean, mm. this is huge. And uh, at least with Jimmy, because he can just swap jokes out, right? Yeah. And then you have that 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 trade off in stand up between story and because a stand up story is nothing but a relatively moving plot and jokes. Mm-hmm. And so you're either moving the plot along or you're telling jokes. Jimmy has no plot to move <laughs> along whatsoever. It's just like you can pull him out, put him back in, move him around, doesn't matter. But the question that I asked Jimmy Carr was, and I never know how to ask it, but I, the only thing time this question is relevant is it a star at his level. Mm-hmm. So I said, Jimmy, do you accept submissions? Do you, you know, wow, you've just turned out, you've got this whole new two hour show. Do you, you know, get someone help, co writers? Mm-hmm editors because and i rail against people who don't write their own stand-up we have our fucking holy crusade of comedy estonia that no you fucking write it yourself that's the idea there's no fucking director in a stand-up okay maybe there is a director in a, in a stand-up <laughs> special there's a director no there can be directors in some edinburgh shows have directors but no one writes it all right yeah. you no matter how bad no one writes it the only time that breaks down is when the artist is big enough and well-established enough. Like, you can write a Jimmy Carr joke, you know. Uh, for example, the, the classic thing we kept talking about in uh, the fucking other episode with Leno and all yeah. and Conan was, like, joke submissions. Yeah. You know, people write jokes, and then they send them in. And, and it used to be with facts. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be, like, they would write the thing, facts in their fucking jokes into Jay Leno, and then they would find out what ones get used, and they get paid off that. That's a very normal thing in that nightly... Ne- joke cycle and it can happen as well jimmy's on tv i don't know 
17 nights a week. He's on the, the show with Catherine, uh, where the couples show, and then he's on the roast battle uh, as well. He's, he's always got stuff going on, then he's doing shows all over the world. Uh, this dude has no fucking time on his hands. No. Dude's going place to place, and at that level, it may be legit. It may be legit that... Now, certainly for TV, and not to say, Jimmy, you know, I'm not going to make any presumptions about that, but it's much more likely, for example, let's say in the TV writer's room, they'd all be getting around throwing the jokes. Now, I know nothing about that thing. But yeah, he was like... No, he said to me, yeah, once my friend gave me a joke three years ago. <laughs> and I went, yeah, all right, Jimmy, fine. Uh... I get your point, mate. Yeah, okay, good work, boss. So... But to be fair, I mean, he has a segment like on the the best of tour or whatever mm. the title was like where he like has audience send in jokes and he uses previously sent in jokes as well mm. and like you can sense that some of them really have been curated for his pleasure as well like because like everyone who's seen a couple of his uh, specials mm. sort of knows his type of humor the way he likes it and i mean not all of them were from estonia and like some of them i had seen before already but you can really sense that yep this is meant for jimmy there's no other comedian that would really do it in that way or like i mean it is really like his style that's a good point actually yeah look there's no there's no one fooling there yeah those things are curated certainly yeah. some of them are absolutely real some of them are from the, the the best of pile yeah i'm pretty sure we can most of us can work that out but it's so i don't feel like i'm giving anything away which is a huge part of these conversations like i don't want to like say some shit out of school or something there. Someone calls up and goes, guess what? Guess what, Lewis? We listened to fucking minute 74 <laughs> of your podcast and on there. I'm like, wait, you listen to 74? Mm. Um, <laughs> so, I never want to say shit out of line uh, that isn't the correct thing to say. But yeah, obviously that is, right? But what's so interesting is that most rational people can work out that there are stock standard answers inserted mm-hmm. into that Jimmy Carr text feedback. Yep. But we don't care. Yeah. No one cares. No one was like, "Ah, oh, that clearly wasn't an Estonian one." No, dickhead, but you laughed. Yep. So uh, I mean, he didn't yeah. even try to pretend that they're all were from Estonia though. Mm. Like uh at least when I, I went to see him in Tallinn and like uh, at least I didn't under- I mean, I knew as well that not all of them were from Estonia, but uh, I could really sense that the ones that were because he addressed the crowd right away and then the other ones that weren't First of all, they were really well written as well. And uh, not to say anything about Estonian English, but I mean, there's a difference. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there is a difference. Like writing a concise Jimmy Carr joke is not mm. something that is easy for someone who's uh, for whom like uh, English is the second language. Sure. So you can you can sense it. And oh, yeah. And that's right. And then Jimmy finished off. He said, well, look, uh, and he said, ah, yeah, look at it this way. It's been three years since my last special. All I've got to do is write 30 minutes a year. And I went, all right, that that also makes a little sense. Because let's yeah. say, even if he doesn't, I mean, he probably does have genuine, he does have joke writing yeah. time. And the dude is a joke writing machine as much as you would imagine. And the stuff that he riffs in the middle of shows, that all gets recorded. You know, that gets written down, that gets kept. Does it get rolled back into that show? Does it get put on the pile for the next one? I mean, um, in Tallinn, he had a moment where he yelled behind the stage that, hey, remember that. Yeah, that's right. Yes. I mean, and that seemed really genuine as well. Yeah. Like, because like he, for a second, you saw that he was mm-hmm. out of character. Like he was, he was like thinking something else. You could just see his eyes were just going around. He was like calculating something like the percentage of funniness or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, all right, now back. <laughs> but it was like a genuine moment. And that was really awesome to see. Yeah. When he breaks character, because he's like, he's a regular dude when you yeah. meet him, right? He's a regular dude. He 
wears a jacket, like a doesn't wears non-suit things, wears non-suit pants, wears a regular t-shirt like everyone else does, and it always throws me for a second. Yeah, <laughs> he's the only one where it's sort of because that stage character is very strong. Yeah, and it's still him, but then he starts joking around about regular shit about the football or you oh, know wow, whatever collecting or whatever not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, it takes wow. you a second. To shit. kind of put down your, oh my God, I'm with this guy. I admire Wait, you're this not guy. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and things like, and he's, he's an absolute machine in terms of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he can do it no matter what. And uh, it was the Tartle show was delayed by an hour because his flight was delayed. There was some delay out of London coming here and it was supposed to start at seven. And by the time he had to get to Tallinn land, we had to drive him up to Tartu, down to Tartu. Uh, so, yeah, that was an hour later. And he got after all that, got to Tartu, walked in, changed, fucking combed his hair and walked straight out onto the stage. Damn. And I've seen him do things like that and then turn around and do another show. Like, he won't give a mm. fuck. He will turn around, do the second show and then get back in the car and take the plane and go like unbelievable and doesn't complain you know like knows what he needs makes it happen dude's great yeah and he yeah especially that tattoo thing does he travel alone or does he have like entourage around him he um no entourage he has a tour manager the guy that he was talking to at the side of stage so he's got uh, a tour manager his name's gavin fantastic dude lovely dude and the way it usually kind of goes is that tour managers are the people you can talk to Mm -hmm. and not that like the star is all weird person right but they're the regular guy and mm-hmm. they're meant to be the regular guy that you can come to with anything any time of the day any means of transport it doesn't matter right so he's cool so he sits at the side of stage and he runs the screen mm-hmm. and uh he's running the effects and and everything else that happens and and, and, and kind of calling the show that way and coordinating the lights and stuff so i don't have to do anything Right. I actually leave most of it to him. So he's, or then he'll talk directly to the sound desk, play some sound, and and runs everything there. Um, yeah, and Gavin travels. Uh, I'm pretty sure he does every single one of Jimmy's shows. And it tends to be like that. Because if you imagine, like, I've been dealing with the Gavin as long as Jimmy's been coming here. So that's five years at least or something. Like, and I know there's a much longer history. So. There's a very strong bond between those two. You know, Gavin knows exactly what to do. Jimmy trusts him exactly what to do. These two dudes fly across the world in intertwining paths, meet in the city, seem to fly in seemingly opposite directions. They fly off, but then they meet for the next show and then make it happen. So, uh, yeah, Gav's great. Um, Yeah, it must be kind of hard because he's got that tour manager life, which I think is also quite solitary as well. You have to kind of be good with the travel. He's yeah. away for a lot. He was saying things like he was in Australia and they had a week off. Yeah, they, had, they were in Australia and they had a, 10 days between shows. And he was like, it's going to be great. We're going to have a nice time. I'm going to be on Bondi Beach. I'm going to have some snags, have some Fosters, mate. And then Jimmy's... And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Jimmy's got two shows back in the UK. Boom. So, boom, you got to go back to the UK. No holiday. Keep on going. Yeah. I mean... A lot of people think that traveling is super nice, and uh, but once you've done it for a job, uh, and I haven't really had traveled all that much for my jobs or like anything like that. But once it's not for a trip, it's it's really different, and it's 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 a sad thing to do actually. It's because uh, <laughs> mm. there's always this time pressure, 
and loneliness. And uh, mm. I, I would imagine if you had had to do that, like 300 shows in a couple of years, I mean... I have it enough just driving between Tartu and Tallinn every yeah. fucking five times a week for all the shows. And you don't have to wait for like an airplane. You can just jump into your car. You can mm. take the route that you want to do. You have, you're like still in command. You're like, you are deciding which route I'm going to take, what time I'm going to leave, sure. when I want to do this, when I want to do that. But if you have to travel with a plane, you have a time. Then it gets postponed. You get stressed about that. Even if you're traveling first class, business class, doesn't matter. You're still, you're not in command. Somebody else is doing it. And if you're under that pressure for a long period of time, that's, that can really break a person. And All that is true, but still we have to go to Pulva. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Bulba's great during winter time. <laughs> yeah, during winter time. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's even for me. And like you know, right now tonight, Merrily is off looking after our show in. Uh, I want to say Yuffie tonight. I think the show is. Um, <laughs> Let's see again, I'm not the project manager of that. It's great. Yeah. That's business, baby. That's how it's <laughs> supposed to work. So I'm told. Um, so how's the yeah. tour working? Yeah, it's gone good, I think. I haven't seen it. I'm going to come at the next talent date. Yeah, I think Dan's hosting the shit. Daniel Weinberg's is the host. And he's hosting yeah. the shit out of these shows. He's yeah, really he stepped it up. And actually, we're talking to Daniel today that uh, because he had his solo show, Kohatu, mm-hmm. and uh, that was, he filmed it like six months ago or more. We, we filmed it. We had some cameras and shit and we got it out. But he's just had this such a leap as a comedian. And sometimes as an artist, you just have those times when you just, like a boom, all of a sudden yeah. you're at the next level. And he's done that in the last six months. He's worked hard uh, and his hosting is kicking ass. He's, he just autistically talks to the audience and it's just use that autism to just ask and poke at an audience member until they say something. And uh, he's done really well. So he was talk- we were talking about that uh, we would have another filming night for Koha 2 and mm-hmm. it would be like, we wouldn't call it no Volcox or version 2 or anything yeah. like that, but... Uh, it's so it's like fifty percent different, and it's way way better. So okay. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense that we should film this. No, it's awesome. I mean, I like the I saw the first one as well, mm-hmm. and already then that was like not a year ago, but it was like solid eight months ago at least. And already then, I really like that uh, special. I think it's one of my favorite specials. And I mean, I'm not gonna say I didn't like Daniel's comi- like uh, stand up before that, but it wasn't. I never felt like oh okay, that's something for me. Because, like, I mean, yeah. I have preferences as well, the kind of sure. stand-up that I like. And, uh, but going there, for me, a lot of new material. I hadn't seen him around for years mm-hmm. that he had gathered that material from. And for me, most of it was new. And I really, really liked that. And I, it's mm-hmm. one of the shows that I keep thinking about. Uh, that was, oh, wait, but you saw that six months ago as well. I saw it even more. It was when they were doing it here in Kalamaya, oh, the, the preview. Oh, the preview down there. Oh, fuck. That's yeah. a really old... Because, yeah, 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 even the Puros the Ascotis version that he did six weeks ago was really great. Yeah. And combined more crowd work with his new stint. So, oh, yeah. fuck, yeah. So, Dan's doing great. Tour's doing good. And yet, that's kind of the thing. Like, even just as a tour manager for the, a show, you know, Marilyn's got to drive him out there, coordinate with the theater, just make sure the tech stuff. Carl's very good. He's there. The guys are all very good in chipping in where they can, but... Still need someone sort of running the yeah. kind of coordinating the show. Uh, she'll probably sit in the sound booth, play the projections, walk on music, you know, get the rider, get the backstage food. So we all get a little, we get some chocolate, bananas, beers, whatever you need backstage. Um, she'll do that. Yeah, sound, maybe coordinating lights. 
yeah, and then you've got to watch the show for the 20 fucking umpteenth million time. Oh, that bit. You know, watch the show again and then, yeah, get in the car and then drive back. Yeah. And that's... I find that pretty... Hmm, it's difficult after a while because it's like those drives back from Tartu. Oh, I want to... Just looking at that tree going, oh, the sweet relief of a tree. If only I didn't have a Volvo that would protect me with its Swedish airbags. <laughs> it's too safe. It's too safe. I won't be able to end it. Oh, too easy. She's going to be disabled. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that gets a bit... So, even, even just that, just going between there. And that's why... Actually, that's why we need an operations manager. Yeah. We need a third person. Because right now, we've basically got shows every night. And merrily, and have to divide every show between each of us as who's going to go and uh, just, you know, be there and, and be on the spot. So, we need one more person to to help with that because, like, yeah, I had to say, like, Marilee, can you go to Yuffie so Casper and I can record? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm very appreciative that my colleague went. No, the trade-off was that I have to work Friday and Saturday nights. Oh, okay. So, I said, fine, but I'll, I'll work Friday, Saturday. And she went, oh, all right. <laughs> a weekend off in this business is a very rare thing. Yeah. Nice. So, nice. I paid for it. Yeah, good trade from Marilee. Yeah. Yeah, she's doing good. So, yeah, so we had Jimmy. So, what did we do? Talon. So, Tartu. Okay, what happened in Tartu? Wait, I want to ask uh, about the Finnish crowd as well. Like, uh. Is it different? Like, when you do a show in Estonia, uh, let's say Tallinn, mm. and when you're doing a show in Turku, which is a little bit smaller, mm. but it's still a student town. It's still pretty big. And uh, is the crowd different? I think you would think the the stereotype would be Finnish not. You would say not. Mm. You would say they're not as outgoing. They're Finnish. They're, but I think they are a little bit more the Finnish crowd for the reasons that a Finland actually is pretty well along the line with stand up comedy. They've had it like ten years longer than Estonia. They got legit like superstars who Ismo. do stadiums. Ismo Nikola <laughs> taking over the world. Sami Headbutty, he's huge in every way. Uh, <laughs> Andre Wikström, fantastic comedians, and people are used to that. So they were pretty chatty with Jimmy and Torku. Okay. In that second bit, there was some good back and forth stuff going on there. I think even their texts were better too. They put more into the text. I'm sorry, I had to say Estonia. And uh, how many texts to the people? Like, how many text messages did he get during the shows? I don't remember. I don't. Sometimes I'm not watching the whole thing end to end, mm. so I don't remember. But I remember we got some good ones in Torku. The Finnish were coming on because then you've got the factor of then the Finnish go out, they have a couple of drinks, and then they fucking fire up. Yeah. Oi, <laughs> Mr. Car, you're funny, man. You tell humorous joke now. Thank yes, we musi make joke on fat me yes, ha ha. So uh, you kind of got that one playing in as well. So they. That wasn't too bad for Jimmy, I thought. That that went all right. Um, Talon was red hot. Talon was right into it, I thought. That was that was going pretty well. Um, yeah, there was no drama. Like, Jimmy, yeah, he doesn't even have... He has six bottles of water is his rider. That's it? That's his rider. If you really want to know the big secret of what Jimmy likes, he likes almond milk. That's all you got to do. There's no fucking, you know, crazy shit. There's no nothing else. There's no fancy stuff that you got to have. This guy gets a, uh, almond milk espresso. And he's good as gold. What's the craziest writer you've had for the comedian you've brought here? Uh, 
Nothing too bad. Uh, oh, probably the weirdest one was probably just not weirdest, but was uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Okay. Because they had very specific uh, requirements about the drinks and the food. Okay. And the Americans are often quite, uh, they want their brands. They want yeah. exactly the thing. And a lot of this is like, well, like, you know, are they demanding or are they just want some fucking comfort after flying? Place yeah. to place, the loneliness we talked about. Geez, you know, wouldn't just a cherry cola be fantastic? You know, if that's mm. their thing or that exact. Uh, so, it was... Fuck, what was it? I worked out one day before the show, you couldn't get Diet Coke in Estonia. No, it's just Coke Zero, right? Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. something like that. There's no Diet Coke. There's only Coke Zero. And they're not the same. No. They're not. And if I had looked into that, like I couldn't get that drink that was on his rider. And that was a like a small, not a big mm. issue. Not with Gabrielle. He's fantastic. But just a discussion um, with the tour manager. But like, I got to say, like, actually, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be up front and say that. Because I was just like, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It's fucking Diet Coke. It's going to be great. Don't worry about yeah. nothing. And then you realize like, oh, we don't have it. And probably if I had thought of this a week before, could have got some from Finland or talked to Coke or something or gone, yo, we got our boy Gabrielle needs some drinks. Can you help mm. us out or something? But yeah, that was probably that. And no, there's nothing like it was just, just some specific drinks that they wanted. Like a few things we had to go find. Like you had to get a big supply of peanut butter and jelly, like all these great American things, that kind of comfort food that those boys will like. Yeah. And uh, yeah. No- but it seems like if I look at him, mm. I would imagine him like uh, Gabriel Iglesias to have the biggest group around him when he's traveling. Yeah, he's, he did. Yeah. He seems like a really social guy who needs his guys. He did. He had his son was there. Uh, he's got his warm up act. He's got his DJ. He's got sort of a couple other guys that it's not like a big entourage, like okay. some crazy guys. Yeah, like yeah. everyone has a purpose. Yeah. But he does travel with like, quite a large. So does Russell Peters. Russell Peters, he's got his opener, his DJ. You know, he's guy that's doing that and there's kind of his crew. But no, no one's just hanging out, you know, for no reason though. Was it the famous stepson or was it uh, someone else? Gabrielle. Yeah. Um, like my, the guy who he co- keeps talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, it was cool. that guy. Yeah, uh, that young dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, they're lovely. They're all, they're all great. Yeah, I mean, it's just like he seems like the warmest kind of guy anyway. Like. Mm. So then, yeah, so Jimmy is all done. So now we've got... All we've got left is Jimmy Carr in Vilnius and Riga at the end of January. He's coming back for those. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that was... So, yeah, so that's uh, a good one. And, yeah, and then we had Mr. Sloss. Goddamn Sloss. That shit was bananas. (laughs) Like, absolute... Here's what... um, Look, I I don't want to make any claims to be like any record holders and none of that bullshit. But I do know that that show in Talon was one of the biggest that he will do in 2018. Like, it's up there. I don't want to make no claims about top or nothing like that. But if you're like, oh, little Talon, all that. Like, no, that is significantly, I want to even say like maybe top three, right? And like biggest shows that he will do. So, it's somewhere up right there, right? Meaning that Estonians shouldn't like Estonians like, oh, it's just just in that Vene Katorikeskus, just in that. Like he, you know, Daniel Sloss is even a little bit abnormally popular here mm-hmm. again through his work and, and coming here time and time again. So And Netflix now as well. Oh yeah, that shit blew up, bro. Yeah. That's like because that was nuts. So the and rightfully way- so as well. These two specials he has, mm. brilliant. They're really good. But I don't think like I still don't think anyone could have guessed that Sloss would have blown up that big after Netflix. 
If I look back now, I see that the pieces were put in place by his management. They were very smart with a lot of the tour was timed. The Netflix get dropped in the middle of the tour. There's a bunch of other little things you kind of go like, all right, I see they had a plan. I see what they were going there. But, you know, you can make the plan and set the pieces up, but it doesn't guarantee shit's going to go bananas. You know, a lot of people have Netflix specials. Why doesn't that shit blow up either, right? Why does it matter that something is suddenly released on Netflix? I can watch it any fucking time. But all of a sudden, we got to watch it because it's there now. I think one of the things he has is the good marketing angle going for him with the, the couples I've broken up. Yeah. Like, like that thing is juicy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not something that is common to stand-up. It's not something that is usually part of stand-up as well. Like, oh, I'm going to have like a bigger impact whether it's like raising some topics or having some actions that are going to like, there's going to be some results after I finish my special, finish my tour. And uh, I think that's unique. And Mm. they were, they were really good at understanding that's unique and we need to push that. Yeah. They did do that very well. So the, so the Daniel Slosh specials, it's Jigsaw. Yeah. Jigsaw is the one with that part at the end. Mm -hmm. That's his Ted talk at the end. And uh, yeah, breaking everybody up. So, one thing that I... What happened? So, we had Daniel Sloss in Riga in the start of October. And that was a separate date because there was no other schedules. Couldn't get the Riga venue. Couldn't get Sloss's schedule in, in order. So, we just did that kind of a separate thing. But down here, we've had uh, uh, Talon, Tartu. Then it was Helsinki. Then Kaunas and Vilnius in a mm. block in a row like that. The Talon one for me was super special. Like, I, I, I felt that was a special night. I think the boys felt it was a special night as well for those two. They did that encore for like 30 minutes. I had no idea. The first time I just walked out because I had the best seats to leave. The <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to get my coat. And then I had my coat and I was like, oh shit, something's going on. And then I just walked back in. I had my all my like, gear on and I just <laughs> sat there for 30 minutes and just watched the rest of it. And they were loving it. They were awesome. having a great time. And uh, except the, that was where... And the reason they, they had to swap mics at one stage because... Uh, Kai hold his microphone way further away and the second mic was lower yeah. but the sound guy had fucked off and just gone like disappeared and me and the light guy are like where's the we don't know I don't know do you know how to do it I don't know and we're pressing buttons on this fancy fucking sound desk and we don't know what's up and there's Kai and Sloss on stage going oh this mic doesn't and we're like oh shit and then eventually they swapped mics because Sloss is uh, louder and it worked yeah. well enough to get them through the next section uh, yeah, that was. A, I think that was a really special one. I think for us, you know, we've been doing Sloss for four years now. This is the fourth time we're here helping him along the way. Uh, and I've I, Daniel's thanked me and I've thanked him uh, because not only have we contributed to his growth in this area by our hard work as well, but he has contributed to our growth in yep. this area because everyone gets, oh my God, it's Daniel Sloss. So, it's this fucking big two-way street, right? So... Really happy. So, it was a real good night. Um, and the boys love doing the meet and greets. They always want to take a photo with everyone. And I noticed something between the two shows. In Tartu, the lineup was... The first thing it was, was about five couples where the dude had to take a picture of his girlfriend. And the girl's going bananas. Oh, God. Oh, God. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm going. I'll take your photo. And he's smiling. And he's doing his thing. And he's like, okay. Okay, let's go now and never come back. And that was about the first five of them. And then after that, the girls were... um, 
I mean, they were taught it was university, yeah. so slightly, you know, university age, and they were doing that kind of like, oh god, ah, ah, it's lost. Oh my god, this guy. Oh my god, Daniel. Yes, 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 yes. And that was really sweet, sweet and cute, and it was really nice. And the guys take photos right to the last person. Talon was different. I mean, it was a huge line, so it wasn't. There was just a few in Talon, like the girls are slightly older in Talon. They've graduated university. They're working. Just, you know, a couple of years older, right? And these girls are no longer like, oh, God. Oh, no. These girls are looking at Sloss like, oh, yeah, baby. I'm fucking thirsty for them. some of that yeah. Sloss. Come here. Mm. I ain't fucking around, boy. Come here. Like, that, that, was, that was a thirsty fucking lineup at a few stages. Like, I had a chick just come, like, she was standing there. She just come right out and like, wish I'd met Sloss. I would have sucked his cock. I'm like, mmm. Oh, I was like, okay. Thank you very much for that information, madam. That's very interesting information, and uh, I'll be sure to keep that in mind. Uh, and I just get scared. Like, oh, oh, gotta go. Thank you. It's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, the boys are great. They meet everyone. You know, in Thailand, they finished the meet and greet outside. Veneca Torikas has kicked us the fuck out. They're like, we're going home. Fuck you. <laughs> and uh, fine. It was pretty late. Fair enough. And yeah, the boys kept on doing it on the street, in the cold. That was unbelievable. I mean, that's why they're special here as well. Like they, I mean, not everyone would do it in that way. Like take a photo with everyone mm. and continue outside. Like go out of your comfort zone, do it for others. And I think that's really nice. But talk about the first time Daniel ended up in Estonia. Like, why? How? Hmm. Because he wasn't that big back then, right? No, no, no. Um, it was just because we have a relationship with his management agency. Okay. And so, we were already uh, bringing artists from their management agency over. And they're like, we've got this guy, Daniel Sloss. And, you know, look, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, let alone the emotions <laughs> that I felt in an individual moment four years ago. Because the first show was in... I want to say Vabalava, I think. Mm. I think it was in Vabalava. And we can use that because it's very flexible because you don't know how many people are going to come. So, it can be like minimum 200 if you just use that raked stand at the end or if you really pack them in like right down. You can push like 500 in that place. If you feel the feel the floor, ignore the safety warnings. and But then the in Vabalava because it's quite long if you mm. go in that orientation the people in the stands are quite far away that's yeah. a bit of a problem but so it's quite flexible yeah. so we're like oh fuck it we'll put it there because we can at least move that and uh, yeah I think it's just uh, it's just hard work mm. I think I think it's just like that and uh, you know Daniel kind of said as well that he thinks that he could see a difference between, as he tours around Europe, he can see a difference uh, in the promoters, the ones that are very personal and the ones that are a bit more, I don't want to say hands-off or professional mm. or just sort of, hey, you know, we're professional. This is what happens, right? And for us, it's very personal. Uh, you know, we want to make sure we sell those fucking tickets and make sure it, you know, I'll wake up, I'll... I won't sleep at night. I'll wake up early in the morning trying to work out a plan. I'll, oh my God, I was... That was the weird thing about this whole Sloss tour too. I mean, we have to do the work. You got to do the marketing. And I think, I want to say, even last year, I believe this is 
you could work it out. But there was even a couple of tickets left last year, I think, mm-hmm. in Venecia Tordesco. So it wasn't full, 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 full. There was a few left, and so I'm like, and even in Riga, we we stepped up the size, uh, and I got to work and a little bit harder for us to do marketing in Riga because I'm so far away and every fucking Latvian, oh my God, tax money gone to their head. No, it's really different sometimes working with Latvians. Anyway, um, so I got to do all this work to fucking market. I'm like, fuck. And I'm always behind and I'm never prepared mm. enough. And yeah, you're working, slaving your ass off, busting away. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Netflix is here. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh, look, all the tickets got sold. Fuck. Jesus. And if anything, I thanked Danny. I was like, thank you very much for your Netflix special. You just made the last three weeks of my life actually much more enjoyable and fun. Thank you. I didn't have to fucking stress and strain and everything went well and all that. So, we're already thinking about next year. Uh, we're already planning the net, whatever the next one would be. You so, know, you know I, I, was, uh, I was watching Netflix and uh, I sort of saw something that I think they will incorporate in the coming year mm-hmm. uh, or like coming years. It's something that Spotify does. Okay. So when you're listening to an artist there, you can already see their tour dates coming up. Mm. And you can buy tickets through Spotify. Oh, so they Jesus. get uh, they get the reference fee, right? Yeah. And like I, I would really think that is something that Netflix would want to do with stand up comedians as well, because it's it is a big part of Netflix now. Mm. Uh stand up comedians, stand up specials. And people want to see them live as well. And if they can get a little share from the ticket sales, I mean that's just Sounds Some, like something they would do. It Sounds feels fun. really natural there. Sure. That you're in the thing and then... And it well, I guess if you're, if you're then... what? Okay, so probably not on your TV, but most people nowadays are watching Netflix on all kinds of devices. Your phone, your fucking laptop. Not necessarily... Like, is your TV, yeah. would you just go and click through your Samsung smart TV to buy a ticket? But if it tells you a promo code and you get 5% off... There we go. Okay. It just pops up. Sure. Saying like, and it, I mean, and it knows your location as well because of, it knows what library to give you, like right. depend, depending on the rights. Mm. And then it can just show you, hey, tour day coming up, the closest to you is in Helsinki, mm. Stockholm, Tallinn, whatever. Boom. There's, this is where you can get the tickets. Use this promo code. That's it. I like that. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay. Because you got to... I... I We've been putting up a lot of videos recently with Comedy Estonia. We made a whole series of fucking videos about uh, for the tour, uh, for the SOS tour, for Stand Up On Scene tour. And uh, we like the guys were making them about individual towns and, and trying to reach out. And that was a fuck ton of work. That was a classic scenario of us going, what should we do? How can we help this? And we go, yeah, yeah, we'll just make some videos about a town. It's fine. We'll just fucking, you think up something. We'll stick a camera in your face and all of a sudden we'll have all these videos and it'll be great. Don't worry about nothing. And of course, it's shit tons of work, of yeah. course, to get it right. Then, of course, we all want to do it well. We all want to film it well. We want to write it well. We've got fucking weird ass concepts. Sander's going to have his mini fucking film that's going to cans. You know, <laughs> Daniel's got his odd news piece or something. Like, everyone has to. <laughs> you know, there's only Ardor there who's good enough. Ardor's <laughs> just like, fuck you. I'm good enough. I'm going to sit on a chair and talk to you. And I'm that good that I don't have to do nothing else. He just sits down and he's like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm. 
I have to do this. I don't like to do this. Yeah. So here's the promo. Here's the promo. And you know what? My words are so fucking funny. I don't have to take off my pants or do an act or go down the street in my car ranting. No, here it is. I mean, the Rauno <laughs> ones is the craziest. I mean, it has like effects and like voiceover. Yeah, I, know. I was like, how much time did you put into that? <laughs> Mr. BFM school yeah, guy. He was like, I ain't fucking around. Yeah. You could really sense that he wanted to make it. He wanted to show that, hey, I'm better than these guys, at least at this. <laughs> yeah. So we did, we've been pumping up a bunch of videos and then we've got our new series about uh, private show stories. Mm. The first one, that's going really well. It's got like 11,000 views from Sander. Yeah. Um, I think overall, I'm just seeing like it's organic views are just getting harder and harder. Okay. I just, I can't, even on Facebook, I can't see the numbers that we used to get um, because there's always a relationship. If you can say that um, your your fan, the, your fan count, the people following you on Facebook, as that grows, then you do expect your organic reach, the reach you get into grow as well. But at the same time, uh, shit's getting more populated and they keep retuning the algorithm back down in, in a million different ways. So that's counterbalancing your organic growth. Um, I just don't see videos getting the reach they used to anymore. Like back yeah. even a year, year and a half ago, some of these Facebook were just going bananas all yeah. over the place. And I can't think that the content is worse. Like, because it's not me, first of all, it's all the rest of the guys. I don't think their content is objectively worse than it was a year and a half ago or two years ago. Like maybe some video was better than the other, sure. But overall, I'm just not... And our Facebook ones are going fine. Um, yeah, I guess that's... But that's the way fucking social media is. It's always gonna... It's always this fight of here's the new thing. We're going really well on it. Uh, now the algorithm, now everyone's jumping on board. Now that's getting weighed down. What's the next thing we're going to jump to? So there's no real revolutionary idea in that. Yeah. I always like oh, when I see like the videos you post on uh, Facebook under the Coming to Estonia page and I see like different view counts. I always keep thinking like do the people actually share it because of the comedian or because of the content? I don't know, yeah. Because like that's really interesting because like I mean I've seen like I mean Sanders videos are the most popular mm. but I've seen others that I think are like better than some of Sanders clips and uh, they don't get as many views so I'm, th I'm thinking like does that weigh into it as well like why people share stuff? Uh, mm. that's interesting there must be Ronald's one was it like let's take for example uh, you know mm. Ronald doesn't necessarily have the exposure that an Ardo or a Sander does yeah. but his last video is doing really well mm -hmm. so I guess stuff can rise up but yeah. you know the name Mikhail the name Sander is going to get a click right yeah. it does make sense probably a bit quicker than that um what what else do we do um oh yeah speaking about the shows so we didn't the uh, let's talk about the last Nama open mic. Oh, wow. The yes. other night. Yes. <laughs> so we wanted to, for years <laughs> and years, we wanted to do a show in last Nama because I want to do it because people think that it can't be done. And I love doing this. Like this, let me have my moment, guys. Because for years and years, and everyone, you no, Estonian, it's not funny. Yo, we cannot, Estonian people cannot be funny. And I had to fucking get these weird reverse ECRA arguments where I'm there going like, no, Estonians can be funny. What the fuck are you talking about? Of course, no, Estonian people are not funny. And it's such a weird counter argument that I used to have all the time. And now it's like, yeah, of course they're funny. What are you talking about? We've always said that. We've always thought Estonians are funny. Go fuck yourself. We don't ever said anything contrary. And... <laughs> And the thing that, yeah, it's always been, uh, you can't do a show in Lastemare. 
And even that no one's doing anything, it's not even like that thing of like, oh, you can't do this, this won't work. Not even directly that. It's just like, what else is happening there? Um, and that is probably the sign. Like, yeah. it's not just, I mean, the typical entertainments that a person in our demographic, uh, a young person of a reasonable age in Estonia will go and see, it's just not happening there. There's never an event like, oh, in Last Nomad. You're like, oh, I really want to go to that, that, that venue, that party, that artist is so cool. Yeah. I got to go. Unless it's at Tondi Rubber Yahal or something like that, which is, you know, a stadium to go to, right? It's not really the point. And at the same time, I mean, Last Nomad alone is probably bigger than Tartu. Yes. And I mean, it's a massive place. So we wanted to do this show for ages. And we eventually found this venue. It's called the Well Club Cafe. And it's got a stage and it's got lights. And we brought some chairs in. And it like is all right in there. And um, but the problem was is that we did it on a week's notice. Mm-hmm. And because of a week, we just really didn't have a chance to push it and get somewhere with it. So how many people were in the audience? Kasper? I was like 10 or 12. <laughs> there were more comedians than Yes. We have we have people in the audience, <laughs> which in a way is awesome because it's like that's real open mic, baby. Yeah, no, it was really really fun. Mm. It was just like I think everyone were embracing it as well, and uh, it was my fun one of my favorite times seeing uh, just like uh, Rauno host as well. Yeah, like he was super relaxed. He was just going with the flow. It was like there was no pressure because if mm. you're like at Hiu Bubi where we were yesterday. And you have a full house, 150 people, 130 people, whatever. It's over 100 people for sure. Mm. Then you just can't go on the stage and be like, I don't have any material. <laughs> Fuck you guys. So what? what's up with you? You can't be that character sure. because there's, I mean, there's too many people around you to do that. Mm. And uh, it was really liberating. Yeah. So it was, so we set it up and yeah, basically no one came. And <laughs> And that happens to us. And that happens to Comedy Estonia. Of, of people sort of, I guess, we're product of our own marketing, that people think that we sell out and all the shows are full. And often they are. But it's just that I always wanted to take that risk. I just really believe in it. I just really believe that this can happen. I don't accept the idea that it just culturally or socially or for some fucking reason won't work. I, I just don't buy it. Like, we just have to work it. We just have to try a couple more times. Or just even do like last night English open mic. I think that would work as well. Because like, I mean, like the comedians, like I was talking to the Russian uh, stand-up comedian as well. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I mean, we, all of them like consume English stand-up comedy English as well. Too. And I think that if you want to penetrate the local like Russian crowd, mm. young ones especially, then I think that is something that could easily work there as well, which would be so weird. It would be so weird. Yeah, and it's it's that I think it's that formula of language that we haven't quite got yeah. yet. Because I, what I wanted to do, I do want to do a Russian language show. I don't know why. I just think that would be interesting. <laughs> this is where we get into the part of me just going, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. That's why, why Comedy Estonia needs an operation manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, Louis, we're not going to do that. We're overworked. We're not having your next dumb idea that just came out of your head. Yeah, I need a filter before I just go, we're doing that now. Um... And I appreciate everyone going along with my <laughs> ideas. Uh, I don't want to do a Russian language show yet because what I okay, my theory is is that I want to appeal to Estonian speaking audiences mm-hmm. first. That we already know that audience. 
that we know Estonia, that's our core base, right? So we already know our core base. We just have to access them. And we know that I, I believe there are enough of those people in the region, in the area, just from my own friends that I know live there. I think statistically there must be enough people. I just think they're not, well, we gave it one fucking week. Jeez, God. I mean, here we are. Oh, let's academically break down the demographic of people. No, one fucking week. Like, we should have just put it out for longer. Like, I rushed it through a little bit just because I really wanted to do it. Um, I think if we just give it some time, we get to our core fan base. And then if we can just make that show work, then Russian. Yeah. I don't want to, like, do two new things at once. Or I think a mixed show as well. Maybe a mixed show. Maybe. So, let's see. But again, like, now we're starting to... That's hard, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we have yeah, to make... Yeah. with this message that we need. Mm. And I've just been... All I wanted to say for these first shows, the message is, this is exactly what you yeah. expect from Comedy Estonia. An exact Comedy Estonia show. That is a very easy message. Yeah. Um, because then you start going, oh, it's in Russian. We've got to access the Russian-speaking market. We know yeah. fucking dick about the Russian-speaking market. I want to learn, but I don't know nothing. Yeah. Plus, the audience is going to feel uncomfortable if you're just someone who speaks just Russian or mm. just Estonian, then half of the show is going to suck. It can be tough. Yeah. yeah. And if you do it in a way that one half is going to be in Estonian, the second half is going to be in Russian, then you're going to have some people leaving and it's not going to work out. So I take that back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a stupid idea. But no, it's good. It's good because no one knows, right? Yeah. And and even then, like someone someone says to me like, oh, but the that cafe, it's not a place that the people go locally. I'm like, where else? Yeah. Like, not, thankfully, no one's really given me that. A little bit, someone gave it to me. I'm like, where the fuck else? Like, oh, I'm sorry. This is not exactly the right place to do it in Lastomer. Like, oh, you fucking find me that place. Oh, yeah. We, let's do that crushy shop. Just <laughs> Right. We've been looking for years. We've been going around trying to find, yeah. you know, thinking we're going to need to get our fucking anti-stab vests out or something to do a show. We were like... It's summer, like, do we just get a couple of speakers and do it out in the park at the front of Carl's house or something? That would be so cool. <laughs> just Carl's special film in front of his own house. Yes. <laughs> like a wedding ceremony. Oh, beautiful. And, you know, finally we have this place. So, yes, I'm willing to admit that there is certainly, and it's certainly very hard. If you want someone to come to a show, they have to kind of go like, oh, that venue? Oh, yeah, I go there. Oh, I, I could see myself going to that place. Um, and I, I absolutely, that's difficult then. They go, the Well Cafe. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't go there. True. But where do you go in last number? So, we got to do a little bit more work probably. Uh, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking maybe we should take some photos, do yes. some more work on explaining. We Show could it there. Exposition. Uh, I think we're all going to jump in a bit more and make more social media posts and shit and... So, we're going to do another one in December. Let's, one more thing. Mm. Don't do it on Monday or Tuesday. Yep. Yes. Because, like, anyway, the place is closed on Monday and Tuesday. Mm. Even if it, people are not used to that. But one thing that uh, I think Ardo showed me or Karol showed me on his phone is, like, when you open the event and it shows the location, it says closed. Mm. So, like, if you're opening that, you're, like, already, like, on the edge. Like, I don't know yep. if I want to go. And it's like, oh, the place is closed. Where the fuck would I go there? Maybe they just didn't update the page. I'm not going to take the trip down there. Yeah, we're going to take a, a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah. So, we're already yeah, sorting yeah, that exactly. one out for next yeah. time. I agree. And it was, again, because we don't have any dates free in November. Mm. And I was like, oh, I can either wait the two months to do it in December or I can, we can just do one. And I went, mm, do one. 
but and the uh, stage was good. I mean, like mm. if you, if that place would be packed, it would be really nice. Be place fucking to do. pumping out there, yeah. man. I mean, because it's isolated as well. If somebody goes to the bar, it's not like it's not right yes. next to you as well. Yes. Like when you're doing it in VMC, like you can see when somebody's at the bar, you can hear <laughs> the that fucking coffee machine. I love oh it. Oh my god, it's like doing a show. And <laughs> <laughs> And then they have the bell on the door, and then just and the like, bell. Oh my god! There's, it is, it is fun doing a show there. I love it, and the countryside. That VMC feels the most countryside sometimes to me <laughs> out there, like more countryside than doing it in Mariama or something. Yeah, but I think also at VMC, uh, it's also the most mixed crowd as well. You okay. have usually the young ones sitting in the rows, and then mm. the older guys, older guys, people, families, fucking girlfriends, boyfriends, groups of people that are above 25 mm-hmm. they're doing it uh they're also there but they're just not sitting in the front rows whereas at other open mics it's usually just younger people except he will be and one crowd as well right again he probably has that slightly yeah more mature crowd more mature crowd what isn't it yeah i think that's that's one of the like smaller issues that i have as well it's like I don't really like to address the younger crowds. And uh, I feel like mm. at certain open mics, there's a, I'm inclined to do it just to get the audience working. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing my material. That's not what I wanted to do. Now I'm butchering it. And now when I'm going to the next open mic, I've already butchered my, my material and I'm going to do that. Because so, those young people are not connecting with your yeah, sort of worldview and where your comedy's coming from. Yeah, it's not even like I'm doing some sort of like, I'm not that old to begin with, but like I'm trying to, do a different angle and i'm not trying to get easy laughs mm. uh sometimes i am but like that's not when i write something that's not my aim but i feel like at some open mics i have to do it and that's when i'm not really pleased with myself as an artist or something like that i feel like i'm i'm the one selling ice cream we instagram now so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's circling back to that now <laughs> i think the young i feel those younger audiences are harder for me as well I don't know. I feel like most of the time they are, and I was wondering why is that? Is it the humor isn't appealing to them, or free? Is it free? And so there's, th- not, there's not much to do during week during a, like a normal week, right? Mm. There, you don't have events that are accessible for like young people, and that's sure. not a problem. I mean, I'm not saying like stop coming. I'm just saying no, 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 no. it's it's uh, it's just interesting because like when I go to shows and I see the crowds there, they're different and mm. uh, they're older, they're mature. And I feel like that's the place I would want to tell my jokes, but I can't practice them always in front of like 17-year-old boys and girls, right? Yeah, I've always wondered, like I always thought it was a little bit harder to get the laughter going like in in Mukku or something like that. And I just thought it was like these young people are just so young and insecure. They have a problem to, I see them all there like these first years or something. They remember how you were first year, you were scared as fuck. You didn't know what was going on. And uh, maybe it's a Monday night, so they're not drinking so much or something like that. Yeah, but that's the thing. Then you start already addressing that issue because it's something that will resonate with them mm-hmm. and you get them going. But then again, you're not going to do the same material when you're doing like Venegulturi Guess because when you have the average age is like 32 years old mm. and you can't use that joke there. Or at least it's not going to be the same impact because like, oh yeah, I remember that time. It's like, it's not the same as in like, so the fucking alcohol prices are fucked. Like that's, that's a re current topic and like something that probably means more to them right. than people who get allowances <laughs> um hey i'm gonna go to the toilet yeah. and uh we got a few more things we can talk about i'm gonna we're gonna have a music break now and uh we'll get some more water Is Play it a explicit music gonna be played at tartu bar <laughs> <laughs> 
We're allowed to play whatever music that we want at Tato Bar now. Everything has been agreed. We're Ooh, all good. Ooh, nice. If man is the father of the son, is the center of the earth, in the middle of the universe, then why is this verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write them like such. Word. Amongst the fiends controlled by the screens, what does it all mean, all this shit I'm seeing? <laughs> Human beings screaming vocal javelins, sign of a local nigga unraveling. Uh-huh. My wandering got my ass wondering, with crisis and all this crisis. Hating Satan never knew what nice is. Check the papers, well I bet on ISIS. More than your eye can see and ears can hear. Year by year, all the sense disappears. Nonsense perseveres, prayers laced with fear. Beware, two triple O. It might feel needle. good, it might sound a little something. But damn the game, if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game, we got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something. But fuck the game if it ain't saying nothing. Damn, was it something I said? Pretend you don't see, so you turn your head. Race scared of his shadow, does it matter? Thought of reparations, got him playing with the population. Nothing to lose, everything's approved. People use, even murders excuse. White men in suits don't have to jump. Still a thousand and one ways to lose with the shoes. God takes care of old folks and fools. While the devil takes care of making all the rules. Folks don't even own themselves, paying mental rent. The corporate presidents. Uh, one out of one million residents. Be a dissident who ain't kissing it. The politics of chains and whips got the sick missing chips and all the championships. What's love got to do with what you got? Don't let a win get to your head or a loss to your heart. Nonsense perseveres, prayers laced with fear. Beware, two triple O is It might feel good, it might sound a little something. But damn the game, if it don't mean nothing. What is game? Who got game? Where's the game in life? Behind the game, behind the game. I got game, she got game. We got game, they got game, he got game. It might feel good, it might sound a little something. But fuck the game if it ain't saying nothing. Yeah, that's right. Everybody got game. But we just here to let y'all know that P.E. is in full effect from right now until the year 2000. Hey, yo, my man, sing it. There's something happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> telling me I got to beware. It's time we stop. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Hey, yo, I don't think they heard you, Stevie. Kick it to him again one more time. It's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. That's right, boy. P.E. from full effect, boy. Until the year 2000, yo. Stop, look what's that sound. Come on, sing it. Then universally we will stand and divided we will fall. 
Everybody knows what's going down. Stop. Spirit snake trying to steal your life. What the fuck are you talking about, Flavor Flav? <laughs> hey. <laughs> the spirit snake. Spirit snake. Wow. Now that's a mouthful. What's going down? Oh, I love it. Public Enemy. All the old, if you are at a Comedy Estonia show and you hear old school hip hop and rap, it's all my playlist, <laughs> which is much better than the Avril Lavigne that I inflicted upon people for the first five years of our shows. <laughs> it was fucking Skater Boy. It was all wow. Blink-182. There was all my teenaged angst, 17-year-old music still playing. It was the same playlist. I don't know. I just brought that playlist in. So now oh, I've got all this public enemy. I got my, I got my hip hop. I got my, if you hear Fuck the Police... I mean, at least that's beat, right? I mean, that's what you want to get. You want to get a nice feeling going and uh, mm. get people like ready and get people rocking a little bit. And that's when it's that's when you know it's good I time do that to start a show. All the time now. Even yesterday at the Green Tech conference, I was hosting. Like even before the first thing, it's like just some slow, low beat music. I'm like, I go over to the sound guy at 10 a.m. in the morning. Like, dude, we all want to fucking hang ourselves. Have you got something more upbeat? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Then they yeah, he's like, yeah, Spotify, and he's got something else. And uh, yeah, even at conferences, I'll. I'll That's awesome. Charge. I mean, like yesterday at the halftime uh, of the show, mm. I mean, you brought up some really good tunes and people were really feeling because the first half was really good already and like people were in the mood. Then you have nice mood music. It's like keeping them like they want to move a little bit. They want to like just jam their head. It's not like Estonians mm. are going to start dancing, but you can still feel if the audience feels good. You know, the buzz is in the room. Everyone's feeling nice. I like that the lights didn't go on. It was still dark. Oh, was it was dark the whole time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, okay, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because like that didn't like sort of kill the vibes. Like, ah, bright lights. Mm. Like, oh my God, we're still human. Like, I mean, it was really, really nice. I didn't see the second half. I had to leave. But I mean, the, at least when I left, the atmosphere was really, really good. It, it sounds like a small thing, but I do it. I don't, I don't really like the silence. I do mm-hmm. believe in the showmanship of it a little bit that, you know, basically, once the host says, okay, we're going to have a half time. Thank you very much. Ideally, you're always leaving on a clap. So mm-hmm. you're like, and give it a round of applause. That's why I always, like 100% of the times, I have a round of applause for all the comedians in the first half. Remember, just because you want to walk off to the clap, right? Yeah. Something like that. And then straight away to the music. As you know, maximum time that it takes you to go around there. There's something to it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it just fits my ear, but it's like, okay, then that stops and the music starts and the lights and. We felt it in last time because we didn't set up any music. We just let the bar, you know, we had to go, like, yo, show stopped. Can you put the music on? And then she's like, wait, I'm serving, you know, someone. Making coffee. And, at the yeah, making coffee. Can't hear you over the grinder. <laughs> and then she's got to put the music and it just destroys, I think, yeah. ruins the atmosphere a little bit. I mean, once you come to a show and you pay attention to these details, you can actually feel it as well and you can really, really easily see it as well. Like, mm. uh, I mean, the music and... Uh, Keeping the vibe going is a really important part of the show because like, that's why we have hosts at the show. Mm. They are there to sort of create that atmosphere. They're there to run that show. They're, their whole job is to make sure everyone's having a good time. Now, if there's going to be a silence for 15 minutes, lights on, everyone gets out of that zone, mm. then that host has to do a lot of work again to start basically from zero opposed to just like having a warm crowd. Now, he can do a nice set as well. He can like really get the crowd going. Boom, the first comedian of the second half, and the show is kicked off. Straight up. That is true. Um, 
What did we do? Oh, yeah. And so, the other thing that I did recently was we all went. There was me and Sander and Carl and Raunal and, and, and Mikhail. And we went to Vilnius and we did a show down there. Um, so, the way that this started was that it's, it's so odd some shit that happens to me. I got asked to go to Vilnius and give a talk about we'll give a public speaking about public speaking. <laughs> and they're like, how do... They're like, hey, Lois, do you want to come down and give us a talk uh, on how to you know, use humor in public speaking? And I'm like, what now? Where? Vilnius? What? And I'm like, how do you... know?" And she's like, yeah, we saw that TED video and we heard about you. I went, oh, okay. That's very nice and polite. And like, will you come? And I said, do you pay? And they said, yes, we do. And I said, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got to give this hour and a half talk in Vilnius about public speaking, you know, using humor in public speaking. And the first thing that was like 150 people came. Wow. Like a lot of people. It was the equivalent. I'm trying to think of an equivalent in Thailand. It was in like the, there's a castle in the middle called the Grand Dukes in the museum. Mm. And that's in the middle. And it's in like a big hall they had there. And I was thinking like, what's the, like what would be the equivalent in Thailand? It'd probably be if there was something happening in the library like up on the mm. hill or something, like something like that. And they're like, yeah, there's this foreign guy that you've never heard of and he's going to come and talk to you about public speaking. There'll be like two bums there. Like yeah. I, I was like, what? Who would? And that's it. That was the only event there. Or like, what was the? That was like, if it happened, my point was if it happened in Thailand, yeah. I couldn't see the same reaction. Yeah. Like 150 people came to see this dude in Vilnius talk about public speaking in a free lecture. And I'm like, would that happen here? Like, I don't know. It depends. It's yeah. a good number, 150. It's a lot yeah. more than last time, huh? <laughs> Ten times more. Right. And so, it was kind of cool. And I didn't know what. Like, they're like... And I accepted the job. And I'm like, fuck, now I've got to figure out a way to teach people how to make interesting talks. And that's really hard. And I eventually settled on a style of like, half of it, I would talk about delivery which is just like how to stand, where to be, what lights, what sound, all this kind of practical shit, right? And the other half, I just talked about comedy and mm -hmm. I just broke down comedy and I used examples and I played a clip of Hannah Gatsby. Oh, I'm so fucking postmodern and progressive. Wow. Look at me. And, uh, and I talked to him about set up punchline and, you know, showed how memes are a lower form of humor because it's yeah. not based off surprise. It's based off recognition. Yeah. And uh, that was my attempt at like, if I can show you how to write, like what you technically need to write a speech, like a process. I've got this step-by-step -step plan for idiots because I'm an idiot and I can't write a speech. And then I like teach you a bit about humor. Maybe you can work it out in the middle. Like, how do you... I just couldn't think of like, how do you teach someone how to write a funny speech? Yeah, I've been in a similar situation where <laughs> I've had to teach people how to do presentations. Mm -hmm. And uh, my code to thing that I say is like, you cannot, especially if you're talking at a tech conference. Yeah. So what you have to tell them is like, you can't be anyone else but yourself. For sure. Because like, if you are a super geek uh, and you want to be appealing to super geeks, then be yourself. That's the best, that's the best version of you. And if you know really nerdy, jokes even if they're just memes use those whereas if you're an open person and you feel like i mean comedy is your thing you you like you're an amusing guy overall and you know how to make jokes then be amusing just be yourself because that's the only version of you you can uphold on the stage for longer than a couple of minutes right mm, and you're going to be nervous anyway so everything what you do is going to be like tuned down a little bit anyway and mm. if you're not a funny person as is 
and if you're trying to be a funny person in front of like 200 people you're sweating anyway then that's not gonna be f- it's gonna be funny but not for the reasons you like <laughs> you know like i'm gonna be laughing <laughs> not at you but just the situation like it's uh, it's yeah <laughs> it's always so awkward yeah i get that too people trying or and that's what i think people miss when they're doing public speaking and they're doing you know i gotta give the talk at the seminar mm-hmm. or whatever it might be um that People are not expecting a lot out of you. Yeah. So, actually, just a little bit can go a long oh, way. Yes. You don't need to have these killer jokes, you need an elaborate thing or nothing, just a little surprise. Yeah. And the, the, the better part of it is the more stiff the environment, yep. the easier it is to then actually include something a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck it. If you're a lawyer and you're all like, yo, we're the important lawyer people and I'm going to give you my little lawyer seminar in the fucking, we're in the boardroom today of that. Like, if that's a super formal environment, you just put the dumbest picture in the middle of a slide, right? And it will just get straight up. It'll diffuse, right? That's exactly what I did. Like, I had a company-wide meeting, like the US offices, the Stonian offices, and I had to present. Mm. And I had to show some calculations that I've been doing, blah, 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 blah. Super boring stuff, like for most of the people, right? Mm. And and I ended up at a number that was 1,900. And in that context, it was not 1,900 people. And it didn't seem like a small big number because it was really like uh, i made it smaller and smaller and smaller and ended up with 1900 mm. and then the feeling was tense and it was starting to become boring so then my next slide was 2000 people doing yoga okay so i was like hey look here's 2000 people doing yoga it seems like a lot of people mm. and boom i got the i got the room back and i knew at this point like when i was making the slides as well like this is going to be heavy 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 i need to like lighten the mood again i need to like show that actually it's a, it's still a big number and then i can carry on and that really resonated well well as well i got a lot of good feedback i got the crowd back like <laughs> the crowd back right the crowd back is like that right <laughs> but one shitty fucking image right it can't yeah, be yeah, that exactly. great an image right it was no, just no, an no. image it was a stock photo i even left the stock market stock there. photo in there right it's all you just, had to do yeah. it was just like you need to break the tension at times and especially if you're trying to emphasize something because my point was that i wanted to make a real realistic overview of like some 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 something yeah and i ended up with a number that was much more than everybody anticipated mm. but it was just because i started with a really big number but when you actually look at two thousand people then you see hey that's a big that's a lot of people that's mm. a lot of people using our product uh right away and so 200 times the amount of people we had at the last time i opened mic exactly i mean and that that's a lot of people and that's why i wanted to do that i wanted to break the tension i wanted to like and also visualize the number of people yeah and if you can find these moments then they're going to really change the presentation as well and, and the rest of it is going to be good you can't do it every second slide yes this is a good point because then it just becomes silly but if you want to do emphasize something if you want to break the tension do it a couple times then it's fine. But really feel the room and feel your presentation as well because it can't be something super random either. It has to make sense as well. Otherwise, like, I mean, it's just like, it's it's cheesy and you feel like you're doing it just to get the laughs and you really haven't put any thought into it. Wait, so tension, 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 release, tension, tension, release. Casper, are you comparing yourself to Hannah Gatsby? Dare you! You're just following the Hannah Gatsby technique. Tension, tension, release. Tension, release. Tension. But it works. There you go. Yeah. It works. And it, like, it's not, I mean, it's not only her who's doing that, but it's like, that's sort of like how, how that situation for comedians works. Like, if they want to create tension, they, mm-hmm. they want to release it with a bang. Because it's, it's a punchline, right? You want to like, people are starting to think they're going the other way. Like, in my 
uh, presentations, people were, oh my God, yeah, it's such a small shit. number. We we're fucked. This is that we can't do anything, mm. blah, blah, blah. We don't have enough testers, yada, yada, yada. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Boom, I snapped out of it. I have a different perspective now. Boom, there's something funny. Okay, actually, now I'm starting to think the other way around. That's what, that's what you want to do. That wasn't meant to be like super funny anyway, but it was just meant to release the tension. Right. And it got laughs as well, and which is, I knew it's going to happen. And if, and I knew it because like I have experience in stand-up comedy. I know what is funny and what works. And I know my the people I work with, I know what's going to resonate with them as well. Mm-hmm. So know your audience, know yourself, mm-hmm. and know that you can play it off. If you're going to be super shy, super awkward with a microphone, you are not comfortable speaking in front of people, then I don't suggest you put in jokes. Rather, address the situation. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm super nervous. But saying like, hey guys, by the way, I just want to say I'm not really good at it. Not, not say that, but like, I'm feeling a little bit itchy, so bear with me or something like that. I feel like it's not something that the audience necessarily likes, but they have a different perspective after that. They're like, okay, I know that presenter has addressed the inf- like a situation now, but you can't take it too far as well. You can't say that, oh, I'm shitting my pants now. Uh, I'm super bad at it. You don't want to seem discreditable either. Yeah, like, sure. yeah, I get that. It's like a comedian who's getting too self-deprecating. Like, yeah. okay, we get it. Like, you just tell don't just say you're shit. You gotta have a joke yeah, to exactly. say you're shit. Exactly. Uh, not just keep going. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm that. Uh, I did that. Yeah, because what I did a, a conference a couple of weeks ago, and I did. The, I was in my full suit, uh, tie, and everything, but these Adidas trainers. <laughs> And I did it because it's a lesson, everybody. Okay, we're gonna have lesson time now because it was about being comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it was like I'm, I'm like ten times more comfortable if I'm not wearing those friggin' boring brown gray business shoes, and I can jump around and run around and do all the things I need to do. And someone, some guy said to me, he was like, "Oh, on the days like, oh, Lewis, uh, thankfully you have the confidence to wear this." <laughs> And I I was like, wait, because it's a piece of shit? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) And it was nice, yeah. No, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, what he was really saying is like, you are comfortable enough to own it, right? It makes sense. Like, there is certain, like, even with clothing, you know, you see somebody wearing a t-shirt and you're like, that guy's not pulling it off because they're not comfortable in what they're wearing. Yeah, I couldn't go another day in those brown fucking shoes. They're tough. I'm going to I'm like yeah. trying to work it into every conference now, like work it in like, hey guys, you don't mind if I wear these. And the only thing is I'm going to I'm going to Brussels to do one. Ooh. I got asked to go to Brussels to host some EU conferences going on down there. Some people saw me. I don't think I'm going to get away with the trainers in Brussels though. I have a feeling this might be a bit too much over the top. I'm not sure I'm going to... But you can do funky shoes, though. Already dealing... Well, I could just wear some Tavi Roivas fancy socks. You know, that was his uh, big big thing back in the day. Yeah, but he that thing sort of played out as well. Yeah. And now, like, at, at the time, I was like, okay, these are cool. But now I see them everywhere. And I'm like, okay, stop. It's all been... Well, is it the same way that you see someone with the funky socks or when they have a bow tie? Do you go like, oh, fucking Elvis. I wish you'd never introduced that fucking bow tie. It's, it's the thing. Like, if you rock it, then no. you own it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if if you're the guy who's gonna wear a potha, if you're the guy who's gonna wear a mustache, and I I wear a mustache. you do, you got a dirty old big motherfucker hanging yeah, off. Yeah, and there. I do, but you I feel com- and I feel comfortable with it. I don't have a problem with it. I can do like anything with my beard. I feel comfortable with it. I'm not gonna do something stupid like uh, Glenn Wool, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you got you do that. You have a big dirty handlebar kind of thing yeah. hanging down there. But I'm I don't make a big deal out of it. Okay. But if if I would be uncomfortable with it, you would sense it and you'd be like, okay, that's not weird. It doesn't work. 
yada yada. You can just feel if something is unnatural, yeah. right? And don't you, you don't. Get wa- some, don't you ever get some feedback from your girlfriend? She's all like, "Why do you got to kiss me with that big old dirty fucking pedophile yeah. mustache?" Yeah, sometimes it happens. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to spice it up as well, right? <laughs> oh, oh, we're getting a getting an insight here into Casper's home life. Okay, it's yeah. No, it's just like. If you want somebody to appreciate the other side of you, you want to make the other part really uncomfortable. So if she really likes the part without the mustache or without the beard, then first of all, grow a beard <laughs> because then she will be really appreciative if you of don't, the other part. If you don't like me at my pedophile mustache worse, <laughs> then you don't deserve me at my smooth chair. <laughs> exactly. The weird part is that she actually likes when I have a beard. Mm. But a longer one because, uh, like, that one is scuffy, right? It, it kind of gets in her face. Um, and that that's the part that she doesn't like. Yeah. I want to go. Uh, what were we talking about? We're going way back to Vilnius when we went yes. to Vilnius. So I was doing the speaking thing in Vilnius, but then we decided, yeah, why don't we do a show down there as well? So talk to Paulius, who, who's our guy down there. So in uh, we, got a guy. <laughs> we got a guy. Oh, dude, we got a guy everywhere. No, about nothing. We got a guy. You need something done. We'll make it happen. Uh, Paulius is he runs a, a a company and a group down there called Humoral Clubus. And if I want to draw a broad, broad comparison, it's the comedy Estonia of Lithuania, and Paulius is the Lewis of of <laughs> Lithuania. Except he's actually Lithuanian and like and like a very big, like well known TV star as well as being the coolest dude ever. And he's way, he's super, super famous. Like, you know, had his own TV show and shit famous. Um, and he's great. And he's the coolest dude. And they run shows and they, you know, they, they help us with our, our shows that we do down there. He's, the, he's our guy making it happen. And I said, yo, I'm coming down. We'll bring some boys. Can we do an open mic that day? And so he said, yeah. So he put an open mic. The first half was his guys. And then the second half was all of us. And the way that we actually did it was I like hosted the second half. So he did a quick intro and then I got up and did like an opening host act instead. And then I brought up each of our guys. Um, and then what did we have? We started with, wait, wait, who was, uh, Sander was there, then Mikhail and then Carl closed as well. Rano, and Rano opened mm. and Carl finished and Carl was great. Carl fucking crushed it in front of his Lithuanians and everyone did pretty good. Um, it was in a club called Tomster Club. Mm. I want to say there's like 100, 120 people there. Like they, they're like us. They have those weird big open mics. Okay. Like, yeah. And, and, and to the people listening home, if you've ever been to one at like, I want to say Heel Pubby, I want to say maybe a, maybe a Perning. Yeah. These big yeah. open mics to get hundreds of hundreds of people. That's the oddest, weirdest thing in stand-up comedy. That's not... Usually open mics are the shit-kicker shows. Mm-hmm. That there's two dudes in the audience and we're really happy that... So, many, so, they're the same. So, there's loads of people there and it was really great. But this is a weird thing that they have in Lithuania. And I didn't understand, is this regular Lithuanian or just in the Humoror Klubos shows? Mm. But if it's open mic and you're not doing well and you're bombing and it's not happening... They can start a slow clap and get you off the stage. Yep, there will be someone will do it. And then it can fucking... And this is a thing. This is a legit thing that happens. And I missed the first half because I had to do my talk. And then I was super comedy style. I had to get in the taxi and go straight (laughs) to the other venue because I'm going to be the host of that show. And uh, I came, so I came at almost at the halftime break 
And yet, two dudes had already been clapped off in the first half. Damn. Fucking brutal. As a comedian, I really like that. Mm. But I would never want to be on the receiving end of that. And I know I would be at times. But yeah. like I, I know when my like show sucks, or like my set sucks. Mm. But at the same time, I really like that as well. Because as a comedian, you never want to have it. So you're going to work much, much harder as well. Like, once you get, like slow clapped off the stage like three times in a row yeah you got to think some things through right it's got to be brutal if you've just started that's my problem with it yeah that if you are good well if you're good it's not going to happen because if you're good you're yeah. going to get yourself out of it yeah and even if you're good you're going to at least what i would do is i would have the get myself out of shit fucking five minutes yeah that course. when i hear that first boom i'm like set's gone baby this is how we roll now i've got two minutes of murderous jokes to take you down you know i'm the firefighter and i'm gonna fuck that fire up right now i would only think that you would eventually cater to that so you yeah. don't so anyone who's decent learns to do that so you're only kicking off new people which to me just seems fucking brutal savages down there yeah can you... I can't imagine Estonians ever doing that. No. But at the same time, I... I to be honest, actually, I can imagine Estonians mm-hmm. doing that, but only when Comedy Estonia started. And then that would have been part of the culture as well. Okay. I, if we, I, from the beginning, yes, we've had that. I don't, okay. I don't see that happening now mm. because so many people have been to open mics, uh, comedy shows, all that. So, we know they know how it works. And if somebody new is in the group, they're not going to start doing it because everyone's going to go, shh, shh. Yeah, the most Estonian sound, you can hear, shh, shh. <laughs> but if that would have been a thing, I think Estonians are the kind of people who would embrace that. They'd be like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, the brutal. You want to see something funny? <laughs> Look at him shit himself. <laughs> yeah, he's and then dead. Stop it. Yeah, then stop it. And yeah. Then, oh, he's dead. Oh, he knows. I know. <laughs> it's just like, they would be like mind it's games with Estonian. I think Estonians would take it really mm. far as well. Because I was about to say, maybe, yeah, maybe it's not a huge thing. Yeah. If it's grown up in the the culture and what they do, yeah. maybe it's like, ah, you know, whatever, I got clapped off. Ah, what are you going to do? Ah, you know, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but we're talking about, yeah, Estonians will fuck with your head. Yeah, yeah they will take it far. They, yeah. they want to like, yeah, they wouldn't slow clap, clap you off the stage. They would just like slow clap you until you have, you think you have to leave, but then they stop and then you stop and then you come back and you make another joke. You set the premise and just as about you're, hit, you're about to hit the punchline, they're going to be like, yes. <laughs> and over and over and over. Yes. Uh, I, you, know your, you know your people, Casper <laughs> Kickapill. Yes. I see that happening. <laughs> oh my God, that's beautiful. So that's, I couldn't, yeah, I guess they get through. So we had a real nice night. We hung out down there with them. And then uh, yeah, we came back because it was it was uh, 100 euros return on Air Baltic. So, we're like, okay. fuck it. So, it wasn't that hard to get us all down there. Yeah, it makes we're sense. Trying to do I'm trying to talk to Peter in Poland that maybe we can go in like February or March or something. Nice. Like the same deal. If we can find yeah. a cheap flight to Warsaw, then we just take ourselves there and like, hey, we have a show now. Boom, and we can hang out and do comedy shit all day long. I wanted to ask you, have you ever thought about doing like a, like a showcase? uh in estonia as well because like we have those open mics running right and mm-hmm. like they are sort of big anyway mm-hmm. and try to do like once a month just like a not a tour but just the showcase it's uh i prefer to think about that more broadly which is on the ladder of 
career development, Mm -hmm. I agree that we have a little bit of a gap in the middle Mm -hmm. between if you're an open micer and doing your hour. Yeah. And that's a long, long thing. And especially when we've got the tours on, we don't have as many, you know, alibi comedy nights or, you know, cheers comedy nights where you you can get a spot at a paid show or something like that. So... I do see that as a little bit of a, a, a chink in our armor right now. And that, you know, how do you develop? Um, and I see something like uh, having a showcase of that is one possible thing. Mm. It could certainly be. Um, yeah, because what to do? Because those comedians need to know that there's more than open mic. And that can often be inspiring to say, okay, cool. You've been coming to the open mic. You put the shit together. Now you got to do 10. Now you got to do 12. Now you got to do 15. Yeah. All right. You know, and then you got to dance and you got to be in that more proper audience. Uh, like you say, it's not these wild, crazy kind of, like you were saying before, there's like 200 people at Heel Puppy. You can't just fuck around. You got to have, you know, that's very different. You need to play yeah. different rooms. Um, yeah, I'm totally down to it. Uh, I'm totally into it. And uh, I think that um, we... Although, uh, it's a problem we're going to need to face in the future is just like, how far does this expand? Mm. And this has a lot of connotations, I think, deep connotations. Fuck it. We're almost, we're an hour 45 in. Fuck it. If someone's this far, they're a fan of Comedy Estonia. And um, it's like, what to do? Like, when does it get too big? Because already, if you look at our calendar in November... Every day is taken. Yeah. Every day is fucking full, except Sundays. I'm really mm-hmm. trying to keep Sundays and they end up... I just, I just think everyone's sanity needs a Sunday off. No one wants to do a show on a Sunday. It's God's day. Yeah, it's God's <laughs> day. And we all believe in God here in Estonia. We're very religious. Um, and at our current stage with the staff that we have and the, the group that we have, we know that we find two shows in two different venues on one night difficult. Mm-hmm. Even if they're in the same town, they can be often quite two shows, two separate things. Yeah. If it's just like one after the other in one venue, that's the greatest thing ever. That's a great fucking night. But like two venues, two shows, um, it just gets tricky to mm. balance everything and to have enough people at each venue who know what's up and know to do the things. And then you're like, well, Lewis, why don't you get more people? Because, hey, we don't have that much money and shows and there's a growth thing there. So you've got a question about how big is the market and how yeah. big... So there is also a market issue there. Uh, we're in a boom with stand-up comedy right now, but we're certainly not the only people getting into that market. Um, so there has always been a balance in Comedy Estonia between the needs of our artists and their need to progress and to have a better show and to feel that progression and then to not burn out in the marketplace at the same time and to not put on too many shows so people don't get fucking sick of us. So, yeah, you do. And anytime you have a fucking dichotomy balance like that in your business, you always do one for a bit too much and then you you never perfectly balance it. You're yeah. always doing heavy on one. So, certainly I think we need to balance off that other side right now. And so, we need to wind out where would it fit in um, because on the same time then we can't, you know, does that mean could we swap out one of our open mic shows and make, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what if we swap out one of our open mic shows and say, hey, now that is the showcase show instead or something, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, do but- we keep having many open mics and showcases? We keep putting on more shows like... No, Where? what I mean is like it should be something like once a month. It can't be more often than that. Well, all our open mics are only once a month too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but like, so. uh, 
I think like some a venue like Von Graal would feel like the most comfortable fit for that. Mm. Just because. What about every three months? Or every three months or what something. What about that? And it's quarterly. And, it, and it actually, yeah, 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 yeah. And it is actually focused around the newer comedians. Yeah. Because we do know right now that there is certainly a part. You know, people will want to come and see Mikhail Maymer. Absolutely, yeah. they're a fan. People are happy when they see Sander's name on the the lineup. Right on, and super happy for that. And we do know that, you know, having that name on a lineup, we're at that stage. We, you know, you put that line there, people make that connection. You're going to sell a few more tickets, put a few more bums on seats. But to make a thing and say, hey, this is where our up and coming, this is the be- best of open mic, yeah. showcase open mic. And to more proudly say, you know, we're actually not trying to, I don't know, pat it out, mm-hmm. you know, with some names to attract attention, you know, building a smaller show idea around that concept. Yeah. yeah, that's one idea that could possibly solve that development issue in the middle. Um, and it's just like, yeah. I'm asking because I'm right at that cap, right? Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, like, question, yeah, I'm yeah. the captain of that cap. I'm just... <laughs> and the other, or the other way that an artist can go in that thing is it might be achievable to put together 30 minutes, yeah. let's say. So, what you can do is... Um, so, putting together a 20 or a 30, um, that's slightly longer set because most comedians will sort of... Kind of anyone after a while will kind of get 10 minutes together. You know, get 10 or something. You know, you kind of put that, maybe you put that into a 15 or something on a good night and it all happens. Like, you can make, most people can kind of make that happen with enough persistence. Um, But when it comes to doing 15s, 20s, and definitely up into a 30-minute range, um, because it's very different. Because Mm. by the time you've hit, I want to say 20 to 25 minutes into your set, the audience need a gear change. Yep. And you can fire away with them at jokes, bam, 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 and just punch them, you know, to hell and back. But then they need that stop and you need that break. Yeah. And you need to be like, now I'm going to tell a story. Now I'm doing something longer. And you need to, then all of a sudden you need to put like a, yeah, some thought to structure, some yeah. thought to stuff like that. Um. So, what to do with that? Another option can be if you find someone else who also has sort of a 20 to 30 minutes and then all of a sudden you've got a little thing that we can stick into an Ux Koik or a Tartu Bar. So, let's, uh, as we're thinking of solutions yeah. to this problem, let's think about the flexibility of those really small venues because we can put on a Tartu Bar. Well, okay, that's 75 people. So, that's still, you know, with the chairs and all that. But the extreme end of that is Ux Koik. So, we have yeah. this lovely little room out the back of the Uxquake bar. Uh, there's no cost. The chairs are there. 30 people. You can get 30 people. You can talk to your friends and get 30 people, you know, like if you want to do that. We'll do it. They're, they're super nice. They don't charge us around. We do it any night of the week. And that can be a very flexible thing to like yeah. just really low pressure, you know. So, you got 20. Uh, you talk to someone else. They got their 20 together. Even three of you. Mm. And wow, cool. If three of you say, hey, we've all got 20s and can we have a night and run at Luke's Coke? I'd be like, fuck yes. Mm-hmm. Let's make up a Facebook event because there's no risk yeah. there. Great. Do that. And you are going to get the experience of doing your show and doing your 20 where everyone, including you, is going to understand at what that level is. And I really like to believe that Comedy Estonia is a meritocracy. So, if you can prove yourself in Nukes Quake and go, yeah, we did the Nukes Quake show. You can see my 20, 15 is pretty good. I'll go back and work on that five, yada, yada. People will pay attention. I'm fairly yeah. confident. 
So to use the flexibility of the smaller venues, maybe a Tato Bar is a 75, so, a, you know, that kind of thing. For example, uh, the show that was is half Roger and half Raul. Yeah. Those guys have 30 minutes each. They're kind of working on getting that 30, polishing it up, moving bits in and out, trying to really tighten that up. Um, I think we're going to do that again at Tartu Bar, like once or twice, because it's just, hey, 70, hey, those guys, Rogers and Ronald mm. have enough fans that we know we can sort of get that sort of level in. So yeah. um, ideas that reduce the risk yeah. are great. I like that. Um, once you're up to about a Von Kral to about 120 to 150 seats, yeah, then, you know, then we're getting serious. You know, yeah. then you better make sure you got the hour together. We've got a very solid concept. Now we've really taken the step up. Um, yeah. So there's a few options for you. Yeah. No, no. Like why I'm asking mm. exactly like, that's what I like com about Comedy Stone as well. Like, and that's what you just heard here. It's just like, a, <laughs> this is how it is here at Comedy Stone. Yeah. You can just address Louis with these questions and like, that's a serious thing. And like, I could have done it off the podcast, but I felt like it's going to be more intriguing doing whilst recording the mm. podcast as well. Because uh, it's something that not many actually can see inside the Comedy Zone, which I what's happening here. Mm. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's not like I haven't had the chances. Like, I mean, I was just opening for Ardo at at Berna, right? I mean, oh, yeah. that, that that like for uh, for my career. I mean, for as a comedian, I value that a lot. That he trusted me. He, he trusted me enough to say like, "Hey, I'm doing an hour that is really special for me mm. as an artist. Like that is the since like that that is the most important thing for him at the moment." And like, I trust you enough for you to open for me that mm. the crowd is going to be nice and warm so I can do my thing. And that, I mean, that meant a lot. And I like really like that. But I'm also thinking like, okay, what next? Like, uh, I I keep thinking that as well. Because like, I've, <laughs> it's funny enough, like the Ardo show at uh, Berno mm -hmm. uh, was on the same day as my cat's birthday. It's your cat's birthday. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Sorry. Yeah, pardon me. Sorry, why would I? Uh, pardon me. And How that also happened to be... Exactly one year mark since I started stand up comedy. Oh, right on. Yeah, so it was like, I just randomly thought that. I was like, yeah, fuck, I was doing Copy Car, Give It Bobergari, exactly one year ago for the first time. And uh, it all made sense. I was like, all right, that's fun. Cool, man. That's, that's like a, a nice anniversary. And yeah. the cat's birthday as well. That that was a randomness. At that's why I remember it. Right. That's the, okay. like, I wasn't like, it wasn't the day marked in my calendar. <laughs> today is the day I started doing comedy. It was just like, it happened to be on that day. Day <laughs> It was just like, yeah, it just kind of blended together and uh, that's why I remembered it. Yeah, it's cool. It's, I mean, with all of these things, uh, what I'm trying to do is just be realistic with everybody. Here's what I think I can yeah. do. Here's what I think we could sell. Here's where I think you go. And also, I need nudges sometimes and I respect that. And that's something we need, to, we do try to keep in that relationship, particularly with, I mean, guys that I might have like Sander and Mikhail mm -hmm. who are very serious about their careers and they really want to do something, you know, it's a back and forth yeah. and they push back on me and go, no, I want to do it this. Mm. Um, well, I, although after, after so many years now, there's not even a push back and forth. We just understand. Yeah. Like I just know he's like, yeah, I want to do that. I'm like, yep, I thought you would. That's exactly what I think is the correct thing for you too. Like we're totally in sync. Um, I was thinking of the scenario is like, okay, so what happens? Let's say, you get good and you got a 20. And then fucking Tari Ironberg puts his shit together and he's got like the 15, the 20, he's rocking that out. And then all of a sudden, you know, Popov's got it and then that one's got it and that's got it. And then I go, fuck. And then everyone's talking to me going, Lewis, 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 we need to do these shows. Uh, you know, we need to do these shows. We want to do that. And, I'm, I, and I become, in, in this 
scenario, I become overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, there's too much in that balance between Mm -hmm. talent and the market. I start going like, oh my God, the market can't take it. There's too much talent. But the thing is that if I then look to you guys and go, you know what? Well, they do have really solid 15s and 20s. You know, like this is, if it's not a factor of the quality, right? If everyone is, if it's like, oh, is my 20? I'm like, bro, not some, you know, like... If it's happening that everyone's coming to me and they've genuinely got the material and they genuinely got that, and then we look around and we go, fuck, but we've oversaturated the market. Mm. I'll go, what an amazing situation to be yeah, in. Yeah, it's a good problem. I guess I feared that for a while. Like, what happens yeah. when all the, everyone's saying, come on, let's do this, come on, let's do this, and I'm going, whoa, we got to just not hit the accelerator too hard. Um, this is probably the max. And we all yeah. kind of look and go, oh, yeah, that's right. This is the max. It's like, but we've got this fucking army of artists coming along who are like, everyone's hitting their stride, doing really well. That's that's why I personally, I like the showcase idea. Uh, mm. Just because it's something that, you know, if, an, if as an artist, if I go to an open mic, I'm always thinking, why? What am, okay, now this joke is finished. I've done it for a month. I know how it works. I don't want to do it again at the same location because... Mm. There's going to be people who's going to be have been there, and it's not going to be the same for them. It's not fair for them. Uh, I I need to develop that joke within that time period, and it puts pressure on me. I like that. I keep developing it. Now I have, let's say, I do like seven minutes. From that, I'm going to actually use four minutes in the future. But what's that future for? Uh, and that's the part that is sort of unknown. Like something I could do at other show, I didn't use like all that much new material. I tried to use my older stuff. Mm. Uh, but at a showcase, because like if that would happen, like let's say every three months, mm. then you would also see like, hey, that guy for the past three months has been kicking it, and every stand-up comedian has that tribe as well. Like, hey, if I do really, really well now, I practice, I have different stuff. Mm. I do like five minutes every month. By the end of the month, I'm gonna have 15 minutes anyway. I need to combine it together, add some material here and there. I'm gonna have a 20 mm. or a 18, 17, whatever. I'm gonna have enough to do a showcase. At the end of the thing. And then meanwhile, you're still going to have other comedians as well in the first, so to say, half or the first part or however mm. you want to coin it. And and you would still bring so much value that it wouldn't be even so much always about that special guy who's doing the like the longer set in the end. Mm. But it's overall comedy Estonia. It's like these people in this quarter have been kicking butt. These, guy, these guys have been working like enough to get mm. to that. So in, in amongst amongst the like open micers, you have the competition as well, not just to be the headliner of that uh, showcase, but to be a part of that showcase. Be on it, yeah, exactly. Because sure. you you're gonna have Sunder there, you're gonna have Mika there, but there are gonna still be gonna be spots that are for open micers there, and this is something that you can work for. You, once you've made that, then the next step is to be a headliner of that. You can you have these options there, and it's not about the pressure of because I. Let's say I would do Uxkaik with someone, random anyone. Like, I have a lot of friends. And if I really want to sell something, I can... Sure. I would say easily, but like 50 tickets, I don't Hmm. think would be a problem. I think most people could. If you're like, look, I've been working on this stuff. Here's my 30 minutes. It's a big moment in your comedy. I think you get some friends. Exactly. It's like, it's not... But that's not what I want to do. I don't. Mm. I want to. I don't want to beg people to come. And I'm. I really. I usually post every once in a while that I'm doing an open mic. But it's just more to get the attention to come at Estonia. And I don't. My friends don't come to these events that much. They go to the paid shows. That's mm. what to do. I respect that. That's great. I, I don't and mind that, that. And that's also very awesome. Exactly. And that's what I'm thinking as well. Like with this, you would have that. Hey, it's the. Uh, stand up, uh, come at Estonia like uh, showcase. Mm. It's gonna be good. 
regardless who's the guy in the end or girl, whatever, sure. uh, whoever is the final comedian, that person is going to get even more of the spotlight and they're going to remember, remember that name from genuine, like that person was genuinely good and I'm going to remember that. I didn't buy a ticket because of that person. Mm. I just like that idea more. I like that too. I like that. I mean, things that are communal, right? Yeah. Like that's, I like the communal ideas and that's where Porto Soscotti's idea came from yeah. because I was like, let's be communal. How can we do solo shows but still keep it in the crew? And I came up with that kind of potluck idea. Um, which was all right. It, it, it did what it did. Like it sold out every night in yeah. Von Kral. So it didn't sell crazy, yeah. um, but it sold out in the end each night. And there was a significant number of people who came well overdressed, which <laughs> means they were new people. Yeah. Uh, they're thinking this is the theater yeah. or the opera or something like that. And that's also awesome. So yeah. that, that served that goal as well as keeping us all together because I could never... Yeah, I'm allergic to the idea of a comedy festival in its pre in the form that the traditional form that it yeah. is. I just think that uh, well, I'm allergic to the idea of the festival. Any idea that what it means is that you take your thing that you love, and whether that's I don't know, there's coffee and there's beers and there's cars and there's all kinds of things, right? That you take that thing that you love and you present it for two days or three days a year and then no one hears about it for fucking the rest of the year. No. That's what I don't get about festival culture. Um, and I know we do it lots in Estonia. Everyone's got a festival. Everything, everything's got the festival. We got the, the computer users festival. We got the light festival. We got the sound festival. Everything's a festival. We got the... Yeah, and... I'm fine with that. I like that you paying attention to it, but I was like, if I cared so much about something, I want to be telling people about it 365 days of the year. Yeah. And that's kind of the philosophy we've taken into comedy Estonia. That's why we don't do festival festival style. I think I think comedy is such a it's such a personal thing as well, and I, I don't think anyone should go to a stand-up comedy show where they haven't seen material from the comedian before because you wouldn't mm. you wouldn't go do a concert in Laulu Väljak for an artist that you've never heard before. Like, you wouldn't do that because mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to get. But with Comedy Estonia, I feel like they're expecting, they have different expectations, what comedy is for them. And and they might think, oh, that's Comedy Estonia. But they just saw one comedian. They just saw, like, a couple of comedians. They just saw maybe an open mic. And now they, they have this visual image in their head. Okay, that's it. Whereas it's really, really personal. It's uh, each comedian, you have a posters behind you, like 10 different faces and then totally different personalities. Mm -hmm. And there is, and with the comedy festival, you will bring all of them together. Whereas I, as an individual, maybe would only want to see two of them. And yeah. Okay. So how to educate, how to get fans. Exactly. We've had this phenomenon that I've we've noticed for a Noticed it a bit on Sanders' tour, and it's happened already on our stand-up on scene tour, that we will have some venues that don't sell as much. And mm -hmm. that's cool. Like, totally fine. Things go up and down. Some venues sell more. Some sell less on each tour. And uh, it's also in Estonia that there is an upper limit on how many tickets you can sell. So, you can't always be doing more and more bigger tours yeah. and all that stuff, right? So... You know, we designed some of our tours not to be huge, mm -hmm. like crazy things with a million nights and stuff like that. We want to have some fun. Uh, well, we want to say have a more relaxed time selling them, but then we make videos about every fucking town mm -hmm. and uh, end up doing more work than we should. Um, yeah. Anyway, my point was uh, we that 
sometimes the audiences are slightly smaller, mm-hmm. but then we realize they're only the fans yes. in there. There's no old people. There's no one dressed yes. up like they're going to a fucking wedding or something. Uh, and that's cool. And I'm actually, I think we're, everyone's happier for that. Yes. To have less people, but to be the people that really want to see the show. Exactly. I mean, just l- going back to last number, I mean, the people we had, we have 12 people there. Yes. And they were into it. They, they were, were loving it. It was awesome. That's why comedians had so much fun there because like, even though it, and we don't need 150 people in the room. We need mm. people that are engaged. And these 12 people, they were engaged. Like, they got along with it because we were laughing. They were laughing. They were laughing even more that the comedians were laughing. And it all bonded together. And that and that's exactly my point. When I was at uh, Diana's Lost and when I go to the Gescos, mm. people in front of me during the half point of, like, during his set left. And I was like, what? why? Why? I mean, why did you come here? I mean, this is not something different you could see like take a five minute clip and that's going to be Daniel's loss that was the most attempting Daniel's loss you could see why are you here yeah I hope you at least want to maybe sell it to some chicks out on the street maybe at a half price you know there's a lot of people that wanted those tickets and wanted to see that and that's my point like I mean comedy is something that it is a really weird form of an art and Mm. you really need to be familiar with it so if you buy a ticket to like a comedy festival then you end up going in and out because like I have comedians that I, I mean, as a comedian myself, I will go watch them. But like if I would be an audience, I would not go there. I mean, I watch a comedian who I don't like just to see what they're doing and mm. why is it working. And it's like, it's a really nerdy and super weird thing to do, but that's how I watch them. But I would never buy a ticket not there just to go see them. Maybe I would like them. That's not going to happen. I don't do that with music. I don't do that with cars. I don't do that with my home. I don't do that with food. So why would mm. I do it with comedy? I guess it's just that state that we're in in Estonia as the stand-up is growing and it, people are curious, they're yeah. hearing about it, they see it left, right and center. And I guess that's that, 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 that people, you know, why were those, those old people were coming once just to see what it's a thing at the Paternal <laughs> Concert de Meyer and they're very nice things that happen yeah. there. So, you know, and it looks like these nice boys, uh, you know, doing a commedia, Um and then they go, oh God, and... Um. Yeah, like in Vudu, in one of the shows in Vudu a couple of years ago, and like there was out of the 150, like half of them was a group booking for teachers Ooh. from the Vudu Ma area. And then half of the teachers left at half time. Yeah. But then what was great is there's a lot of old teachers there yeah. and loving it. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. fucking right into it. So, if anything, the second half was... I mean, it's very, very disconcerting and very deflating to see a bunch of your audience leave. No one wants that. Yeah. Because it's too much to rationalize and go like, oh, they weren't fans anyway. You don't tell yourself that shit in the moment. Yeah. yeah. You see people go, oh, they weren't fans. Oh, they're, they're not the true ones. They're the true... No. So... Yeah. But uh, yeah, then the show starts, and those people, you know, some real old people as well, some dirty yeah. old fucking ladies down there in Vodumar, let me tell you. But even for the audience, I mean, if you see someone next to you who's not enjoying the show, that mm. makes, I mean, you're not able to enjoy the show as much either. So if these people leave, then, and you like it, and you're only left with people who like it, the show is going to be so much better for the comedian and for the audience as well. Mm. It's not that you need to have maximum like sold out it doesn't have to be like complete no free seats left if that's the case and there are going to be people like every row two people that don't like the show and they're like vocal about it or like just doing some faces or something like that that's going to distract a lot Mm. and it's not going to have a positive impact that's so funny with sloss because that's when i felt I, i felt very strongly for the most part 
that show was great because everyone was there to see Daniel Sloss. Like, I've never was, heard an applause that loud there. That was nuts. Yeah. I've never heard, like, and I've seen good shows there and I've seen other good comedians in Estonia. Mm. I've never heard an applause like that. Yeah, there was something special to that. Like, because they found seats, like, Vene Katorikes was mm. like, yes, we have, and we we're like, what? You told us weeks ago there was no one. <laughs> like, yes, but we found seats now. We have seats. No, what, what the fuck? Shut the fuck up. We just we're like, okay, okay, cool. There's plenty of seats here. Don't worry about nothing. Yeah uh yeah it, it was a special night and uh and the audience felt it i mean that's and that's what you want to have like oh. even though some people left maybe they left because they had an emergency it was a couple i don't know maybe they're sure, uh, 90 90 call them kids six i don't know whatever <laughs> but like it just felt to me like they were not mm. like they were not enjoying it or whatever i didn't see their face i just saw their back or like back sure. of their head so yeah, I guess as people go on, people are finding out. That, and I'm also very, very down with the idea that, yeah, you can like someone and not like someone else. So I guess I just want when people come to shows that at least they can look around and go like, I just didn't like this performer. I hope, yeah. you know, right? So maybe, you know, they could be, yeah, that I didn't like that style or something like that. Because that then tells you as well, maybe something else you might like. Exactly. It's part of what you should find out. Because like, mm. Even though each comedian is like unique, but there's similarities. Like if you look at Sander, you can find comedians like who speak English, who you might like, or vice versa. And like mm. even in Estonia, just look at comedians; they're all different. Like you have Roger, you have Rauno, you have Karl, you have Ardo, then you mm. have Sander or like Ari or whatever. They're all different. They're unique, and they're they're gonna they focus on different qualities. And I th I think also uh, I feel like. Maybe we'll wrap it up soon. I've got to wrap it up yeah. soon. But I want to finish on my point about, yeah, back to last time I opened mic. And I think part of it was what helped us is we have a very good atmosphere of, yeah, we like the smaller shows too. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is because we are all watching Ari Mati Mustanen's <laughs> Instagram feed from Canada yes. where he is in Vancouver. He's working his way up as a comedian there and he's doing very well. Dude's kicking ass. My boy's over there. He's getting inroads, becoming regular at local clubs, getting feature spots like good, you know, 10, 20, 15 minute spots. Uh, you know, he was down in Atlanta doing shows. The boy's doing stuff. It's going great. But the majority of shows in North America <laughs> are shitty, shitty open mics that either have no one coming at all. So, you've just got the, in some piece of shit bar and there's, if you've got five people, that's a lot. That's and a show. Yeah, yeah, that's a show. And just watching Ari's feed night after night of these shows and his buddy and they're all getting there. And doing that or uh, the other style would be where, because in America, they don't, often they have a comedy club and a real comedy mm. club has the show that runs from like 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. And it's just comedian after comedian. Yeah. And it's not like us where we have a break and there's an end and all that. And so, they might have table service in that time as well. So, people are coming and going, but... If you're the dude on at fucking 145, there are two drunk guys left and one guy's got his dick out and there's the alley cat hanging around walking. Like, there's nothing there. So, that's the other side of the difficult. So, I think we all thought to Ari and went, how can we, if we turn down this show, we were like, no, we don't want to perform. Like, how can we ever talk to him again? Yep. <laughs> all right. 
Yeah. Should we wrap it up? I think so. And try and keep it. Oh, we go. I thought we were going well. We're like, yeah, it's going to be like an hour and a half. We made a really <laughs> short one. Then all of a sudden, we're over two hours again. Oh, well. All good. You got anything you want to leave? Everything? What are you doing? Anything you want to tell everybody about? Um, Just come to Comedy Estonia Tours. Uh, stand up on Zine. Ardo is doing a tour. I'm just he promoting is. other yeah, guys. I, like, yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. anything else to promo. I'm just looking at the wall. But so, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. stand up on Zine yet, but I'm pretty sure I've heard the material and the guys are all great. Mm. Uh, I really like the guys. I really like that. Uh, Rogat is dead. I think he's a really interesting character in Estonian comedy scene, especially in comedy stone. I think he's he stands out just because he's so much younger mm. and so much different. And then each other guys as well is unique to one another. So I think it's the concept itself is awesome, and I think it really shows the diversity of Estonian uh, comedy stone. Even though all our guys, <laughs> but just just the way it's addressed and uh, i just saw Ardo's show in Pärnu for the first time i wasn't here for the Borsas and i really really like Ardo's show as well i think he's one of the most talented comedians in estonia and i think he deserves much much bigger crowds i think so i think that uh Ardo will get there i just again i have these real strong dumb beliefs not dumb but like just real wrong uh, how to say uh, anti-logical beliefs yeah. sometimes and one of them is that we will get a show working in last number and the other one is that Ardido will fucking like have have some huge career yes because he works too hard not to make it yep that ta- there's just talent fucking oozing from that guy every yeah. paw like it's so good the stuff that and you can have a time when someone's like so good, only the rest of the comedians and artists can see it. But it's like, that's just a matter of time, baby. Like, that's just... If you're doing an open, boom. If you're doing an open mic set for like six minutes and get five applauses, then that yeah. shows that you're worlds apart. That was last night. That was you last night. You was fucking night. getting smashing it last I night. felt good. I came off the stage. I was like, oh, that was a good set. I mm. got some good laughs. Boom, boom, boom. Then Arthur goes on. And I'm like, oh my God, I yeah. suck. Boom. <laughs> this dude's fucking dropping bombs like ISIS. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, all right uh what do i need to tell you uh if you are yeah the job stuff if you have someone who wants to come and fucking work for comedy estonia is involved in being in this dumb shit uh please yeah comedyestonia.com slash jobs make them listen to that podcast before i think that kind of shows a lot of insight to this comedy episode estonia. okay yeah, they exactly. gotta listen to this episode because i think it's That's really how i'm gonna get more viewers and <laughs> listeners cv guests just <laughs> like making people listen to this episode no but i think it's a really honest uh, episode about like what's actually going on here yeah. and the sort of things that you're still going to experience because like oh. you're going to be have you have to work with weird comedians you have to work with weird foreign comedians who made it big you have to work with louis who's just a weird foreigner <laughs> and uh and then you have to all make make it all work i mean that is oh he's tied it together beautifully look at this guy marketing manager <laughs> number one so uh uh i'm actually hoping my next episode is going to be with daniel i'm trying to work it out next week oh, that yes. we have daniel in here and we're just gonna have have some munchies and get some have a we- good time. Get weird. Get wicky weird. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for listening again. I'll see you all soon.